This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 132, Extra Kingdom, Strategy Guide. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Strategy guide. <laughs> strategy this here's guide. Your strategy guide. Uh, that's the X They're from Tuskogee. Ooh, <laughs> a new uh, a new character. We, really, we, we haven't kind of we, we haven't really redubbed any of the factions, right? You know what you I mean? When, like we used to start every uh, first round guide with like theme, and then that gave us all of our good goofs that then we included on the poster, and I feel like that's what's really been lacking from these recent like more thorough guides like we've become too busy hunter have we well, gotten we- too serious are we too business no. oriented no we no, get no, an no. llc and business. we just think everything's all numbers and then intri- well, what are we gonna do just keep reinterpreting the factions into like different characters endlessly right. forever like that's i mean dumb. i would do that no nah, i mean that's kind of my whole bag <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't. I don't. I. I think. I think that would get old fast. So now the extra are from Tuskogee, Oklahoma, and you know they're that's they're real familiar with you, the oil. How how much used to be coming in from the oil trade, but these days things are a little bit tougher. I feel what like you're think? deflecting with a a joke opening because <laughs> this is actually this is like it's been would, really hard if, for me. <laughs> Yeah, and and I th- I think I would rather kind of reshape this goof to be sort of um, imagine like kind of an office space type setting where I've come by your cubicle and I'm like, if I could get that extra guide soon, that'd be that'd be um, great. Yeah. Uh, okay. Me, okay. Um. Sorry. It's. Uh. Can I? Uh. Yeah. I'll have it. Uh, I have it. Uh, I just have to sift through some files. We've and been really... No, I've been talking to corporate, and we've really been waiting <laughs> yeah, for yeah, this I, extra I hear guide. You, I hear Everyone is excited. Yes, um, so okay. if I could get that soon. Yeah, by the end great. of the day, by the end of the day, you betcha. I, let me just put the last... You know, I just had yeah, to put I'm the last... Yeah, I'm going to need that extra guide yes, by the, the end of the I'm putting the finishing touches on it. It's totally ready. I'm just... I just got to finish... I've been formatting the email. Just, you know, I'm I'm a big... I'm a big, you know, person. For, You're a big format. I'm a big guy, format yeah, guy, no, so I I've just been it, trying get to get it. that all together. Yeah. I'm just gonna need you to kind of <laughs> get that extra guy done, though. Otherwise, you know, you might have to start cleaning out your desk. And then I have like, what would be funny is if I have like a short list of people to replace you, and it's like two people. <laughs> like it's like Mick it's Mac like Moose. root. And root. <laughs> ah, I don't know. Mm. I've only seen two people do well with extra ever. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> I haven't even seen root Good do well with extra. Replace- it's magi it. and micmacmoose. That's like it. I mean, what patience? Oh, that's true. Patience is supposedly decent. I don't know, man. I've never seen patience play extra. No, I, I haven't uh, seen him, but I've, he's got. He talks about him. We should also talk about the fact that this episode we kind of didn't put out the call for Priorata like we we normally do, but that's because we've been putting out a, a more unofficial call for Priorata for like two entire months. So yeah, totally. I think we got all the uh, necessary information <laughs> that we needed for extra. So thanks yeah, for playing. I agree. Um, I agree. 
So I think we should do it, Hunter. I think we should do the X-Jaw guide. I think I need this monkey off my back, and I need mm-hmm. to be done it's a with turtle, this. but okay. And I need, I need it to be over. I just need it to be uh-huh. over. And can I say this much? I can say this with confidence. I'm never playing X-Jaw ever again. Ooh, uh, it's your Muat moment. Yeah, it's, You're having is- <laughs> your Muat moment. <laughs> they call it a Muat moment. Yeah, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Unless, like, unless Dane releases an Omega extra where it's just like hey we fixed everything not <laughs> doing it, it different. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no thanks uh, and you'd think yeah, omega I, diplo would have done that to extra but nope not enough no not really yeah and it's funny that you know you've been banging your head against this faction for quite a while now i would say months um and then you know about halfway through your journey dane does release Completely some updates everything. that maybe would change stuff yeah um i mean obviously i don't want to spoil it but we're i mean we'll get to it sure that's oh also we should say you know if if last episode didn't clue you into this uh i think this is the first guide so i kind of feel like it's necessary to restate um omega tex and the new diplo are standard yeah. space cats peace turtle this is the from now forward on. this is we yeah. we are now omega boys we're big yeah. omega chunkers and we're ready to chunkers thunk and thunk <laughs> we're we, here we are omegaing it up um, what does Omega Chunker mean? Why do you ask these your... questions? Why do you call attention to the thing I clearly didn't plan to say? Oh, okay, I didn't. <laughs> it was not clear to me. I I thought it should see, always when I hear... be clear. The words just spill out. They just <laughs> fall from my lips. There's no intention behind any of them. Uh huh. Very yeah. good. So yeah. uh, let's let's break them down. This guide. So. In previous guides, we like do the like, let's talk about all the stuff they have. And then we kind of like review them as we go. But I really need to get to like the whole picture of extra to be able to really talk about like what has been going through my head for you said like a few months. I started work on this guide like a year and a few months ago. Like this, this guide has been a thing that's been on my mind for the better part of 2019 and 2020. That's Mm -hmm. that like that's how long I've been just wanting to like, I want to solve, I want to figure out the extra. Originally it was like, I think the extra can actually be really good. And I just want to figure out what the like, what the key to that is. There's no key. I never found a key. (laughs) There's no key to make the extra great. (laughs) Okay, cool. Well, now that you've turned off the podcast, because we've just admitted (laughs) up front, we're like, we don't have it. Okay, here. Okay, actually, this is the misnomer though. This is, I get so much grief on youtube and the discord and everywhere of people are like haha matt sucks at extra and i get it because that's been the story for so long and i don't mean to start this off by being like you'll never be good at extra kid go sit in the garbage like obviously people can do people do do well with extra so i don't want the thesis of this to be that extra suck and just like do the best you can because sure, that's sure. not yes, yes, it's yes, definitely yes. not what it is but what i want to lay out today is that there's just a really particular set of circumstances that extra leans on to find success and when they find success they don't get stopped like they they find it and there's just nothing anyone can do about it right but in yeah. most yeah. games it's it you got to work really hard for it and that's why this is a strategy guide is to is to not just like 
mince words about this thing. Like, it, this sure, is tough. Sure. So let's, like, actually get into it to, like, figure out w- what our weaknesses are so we know how to fix those weaknesses. It's a lot of work that went into this one. It's I'll say that. It's a lot of work. If, if, if you just got put off by us kind of front-loading it, being like, this is, it's hard, and I don't know, you know, I don't know if we're going to be able to help yeah. you. Uh, a lot of work went into this one, and this is this one goes pretty deep. Yeah. Um, I would say... You know, if you take one a guide like this and then you put it next to, I don't know, like our Jill Nar guide, yeah. the amount of work that goes into a guide like this is, I would say, maybe an order of magnitude more it is, than a faction like Jill Nar, it where it's just multiple, like, you can figure it out. It is multiple decimal points <laughs> beyond... <laughs> beyond the Jolnar guide because you 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 probably if you play a lot of extra you probably notice that that you have games where it just doesn't happen yep. and maybe you're like why why didn't it happen yeah. this time and then sometimes it does happen and you're like oh it yeah. happened Jolnar is the exact opposite where it's like sometimes it doesn't happen and you're like where did i completely absolutely screw the pooch for my game right. to not end up in a victory like right. extra is the inverse of that where it's like i had to do everything perfectly to find that success yeah. Um, yeah. So let's. Uh, the last disclaimer I will give is just: I never won as extra, and I'm ashamed. I'm deeply ashamed by it. I have not won extra since our very first game that Hunter and I ever played in Twilight Imperium, and that one sure as heck don't count, dude. That was the <laughs> one where I didn't know how graviton worked, and I was playing a soul, yeah. and you shredded me, yeah, I just... and I got to find out how graviton worked. Right. <laughs> yeah. We we were not prepared for the for things in that game, and and it left a poor impression of extra um which was to say we thought extra and extra's flagship was freaking awesome which it is awesome mm-hmm. but if you listen to our first round guides which is the most listened to episode of our podcast and that makes me want to die uh that's the most listened to because it's the first guide that we did last time so it's right, it's where right. people start they go okay I'm going to start these guides and there's the first one and it was based on almost no information. So that's that's the unfortunate. So to to combat that, this is based on every ounce of information I could find. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> this is all of the information that went into this. So, okay. Right. It's been like 10 minutes. Let's go ahead and do it. Sure, um, sure. Let's do it. So, again, we're just going to break it down, and then we'll get into, like, the more in-depth analysis later because we really need to, like, look at everything. So what does Extra start with? They start with one carrier, four infantry, two cruisers, three fighters, and a PDS. Honestly, I would say not that bad of a start if it weren't for the lack of a, of one of the carriers. Yeah. But the yeah, fact yeah. that you have four infantry definitely makes up for that. Their home system consists of a 2-3 and a 1-1 one, one planet, which means they have three annoying. resources at home. It's an annoying kind of way for the home system to work, but at least you have $3 to buy a carrier to use your two extra infantry, right? You actually have... Yeah access to all the stuff you need to make for a somewhat decent round one sort of but it is still very very tough and you have a mountain to climb in your first two rounds um Mm -hmm. uh, your two abilities are as follows peace accords after you resolve the primary or secondary ability of the diplomacy strategy card you may gain control of one planet other than mechatol rex that does not contain any units and is in a system that is adjacent to a planet you control. A lot of people forget that it has to be adjacent to a planet you control. You can't go like park your ships somewhere and peace accords an adjacent oh, right. planet. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. have to have like a, a train. <laughs> you, you know, you got to have the stepping stones to get to that planet. And that that's right, what can make right. it kind of a 
somewhat annoying round one. Not so bad, but it's what makes it especially annoying in rounds like three and four if you're deciding to take Diplo in like the mid to late game. And you're like, oh, mm. I can just go over there and get that. Oh, wait, no, I can't get anything. I can't get any planets because right. every planet has right. units on it. Oh, well. We'll probably exclusively talk about this in round one strategy card. Yeah, yeah. It will basically not be important after that. Yeah. So. Um, Quash is your other ability. And this is kind of the, this, I mean, this is what makes extra, extra, right? Like the, if, if any ability exists for extra, it's this one. <laughs> right. That's thematically extra. Yeah. This is the one. Uh, when an agenda is revealed, you may spend one token from your strategy pool. You're going to hear me say that sentence a lot. You may spend yeah. one strategy token uh, token from your strategy pool to discard that agenda and reveal one agenda from the top of the deck. Players vote on this agenda instead. You have the action card veto inside of you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what you are, you, you can always veto as long as you have command counters, which is awesome. Some of our coolest, uh, this Imperium Life's or Plays of the Week that we used to oh, do, yeah. some of our coolest ones are people that stocked up like 12 command counters and strategy and just quash, 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 Ixthian, woo! Like that, those are always <laughs> the most fun plays. Quash is a really cool ability, it's really fun. You can make money off of Quash, you can use Quash to save your own hide, you can do a lot. Well, wasn't there one where an extra was on they were on the second agenda and the extra was the only one with like the the extra could outvote the table yeah definitely. and so they just kept going until they got like mutiny exactly what they wanted like yeah they got to buy themselves yeah. the shard of the throne or something like that definitely yeah real and that was their 10th point yeah. that was such a cool story Absolutely. that's like i don't know where that is that's like buried that's in the deep. show somewhere but it's so good yeah uh, you also have the flagship, the Longkara, so do. You may use this unit's space cannon against ships that are in adjacent systems. And this ship has space cannon of you hit on a five times three. This is what I would call new extra, right? Mm-hmm. Quash is the ability that feels distinctly old extra, which is like, oh, right. extra was this faction that can like diplomatically encourage things. Lankara Sodu is what has cemented Extra also as a PDS faction. Right. And and almost to like a kind of crazy degree where like maybe it's not even justified how much some people lean into PDS when the flagship just is a bunch of PDS. There's like a weird thing that happened with Extra where it's like, oh, you get the flagship and then you super duper improve your space cannon out the wazoo and you can do all kinds of stuff. But then the counter argument to that is like you don't need more PDS stuff. You're flagship yeah. is all the pds you could ever ask for well i wonder and it's where people may have gotten that like idea from right i don't know if there was like a podcast about <laughs> it that where maybe somebody said yeah. all of that yeah um that might be it's it. it is and you know what it still goes back and forth the thing i've learned about extra is there's absolutely not one way to play extra um, maybe more than any... I mean, Jolnar has, like, the most versatility of any faction that exists, right? Because right. the tech path is just all over the place. But extra... Yeah, but E-Res is the best, and you're always going to get E-Res, so... Yeah. So, it's maybe so, not that versatile. Right, and, and in this situation, it's more like nothing perfectly solves Extra's problems, so you find answers to uh, the quest... You find many answers to the to the questions that you have. Um, and sure. everybody has a different answer. And so how people treat the flagship, whether or not you should improve your PDS or just use it as your PDS, I think that goes in the two directions that we're really going to be reinforcing today, which is like essentially boost the crap out of your defense or, hey, you've got pretty good defense. Try to spread that out and do as much as you can with it. Right. So um, next up, you've got your promissory note, 
called Political Favor. Uh, Political Favor reads as, after an agenda is revealed, remove one token from the extra player's strategy pool and return it to his reinforcements, then discard the revealed agenda and reveal blah, blah, blah. It's it's quash. You give someone else the ability to quash on your behalf. Uh, Suffice it to say that if you are selling Political Favor, you are probably losing money um, because you can make more money by just quashing later on when it's really scary and in people's faces. Whereas you would sell political favor out of step with upcoming agendas and someone might only buy it for like, I don't know, something like $3. Whereas when quash is like really important and the agenda just got revealed and everyone's afraid of it, you could make significantly more money. Hey Matt, I'm Baby Hunter. Um, is political favor sort of like that one where they don't have to have a strategy token there, but they can still do use it anyway? Baby Hunter, you adorable rap scallion. No, uh, you have to have extra. Absolutely has to have the token in their strategy pool for the ability to be used. Um, if you could give out political favor and the person can use it without strategy tokens, you could break the board game. <laughs> it, which at one point there was like a moment in time where Dane ruled that you could use political favor and cybernetic enhancements, <laughs> so you L1s. Could just... <laughs> you could infinitely do it. Like you could just trade political favor and then get rid of it and trade it and then do it. And, and you could just cycle through the entire agenda deck at a moment's notice. So it definitely 100% doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, well, I was just asking you. I'm baby behind. Go baby to your honey. room. That's out. enough out oh, of okay. you. I got to go. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> Uh, so next up is instinct training. Their faction tech. We got two faction techs here. Both of them are really good. I want to make sure we say that up front. Both of these faction techs are really good. One of them is more of a somewhat requirement. One of them is ultimate god tier <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's instinct training. Instinct training is requires a single green. Uh, so you just need Neural to unlock it or a green skip. Very quick and easy to get. And you may exhaust this card and spend one token from your strategy pool. When another player plays an action card, you can cancel that action card. So similar to how Quash is Veto, Instinct Training is Sabotage, right? You just have a Sabotage always at your disposal. What's even more important about this is the Sabotage card on it specifically states that Sabotage cannot be used to cancel another Sabotage. Instinct Training don't say that. So you can delete, you can remove people's sabotages. So in the situation where you have Imperial uh, round five, or uh, you pick Imperial round six, someone plays Public Disgrace, uh, and then it gets sabotaged, you can instinct training the sabotage to then keep the Public Disgrace to cancel somebody else. I said that weird. Somebody else has Imperial, yada, yada, yada. You can you yeah, can yeah, yeah. guarantee things in a way that nobody else can. Um, it has an offensive and defensive yes. capability. It's worth basically. noting that the offensive is better than the defensive. Um, does that make sense? Uh, which is kind no, of no. I actually think I think the defensive is better. Being able to use it to protect your own action cards that you might need in order to win your own game, I think does sound. I don't know. It guys. It just depends on your game. The, the point being, let's let's put up the two scenarios, right? Let's say that I'm playing public disgrace on you, Hunter. You picked Imperial. I need to stop you from winning the game. You picked Uh Imperial. I play public disgrace. You play sabotage. I play instinct, or no. Yeah, I play instinct training. You could play another sabotage, right? You could just do that again and again and again. The flip side of that is 
man, I'm getting my head. This is this can this <laughs> this equation screws itself up in my head all the time. If I need Imperial and you try to play public disgrace on me, I can instinct training it. And that's the end. That's it. That's over. Right. So right. I guess I said it wrong. It's it is better when you're trying to do stuff to me um, that I can stop it. But it's just it's just to say it kind of basically all comes down to like which direction of the sabotage is going, because if you're trying to stop a sabotage, there can always be another sabotage. Right. right. But if you're just right. stopping the card, that's it. So right. that, that's the point I was trying to make. And I did it very, very poorly. And I'm sorry for confusing the listener. But like if you're trying to just stop a sabotage, instinct training is cool, but not as useful as you would want it to be. But if you're mm-hmm. straight up trying to stop a single card, it's great for that. Uh, your second faction tech is requires two yellows, uh, and it is called Nullification Field. And it is after another player activates a system that contains one or more of your ships, you may exhaust this card and spend one token from your strategy pool. Immediately end that player's turn. This is super ceasefire. Um, they they not only just they don't get to do anything else. They don't get to fire PDS. They don't do diddly squat. You just stop the whole action. Um, but you did have to spend a command counter. As with everything with x you have to spend a command counter to do the cool stuff. Um, do you have to... I forgot. Do you have to uh, uh, flip yes, null field? Yes, you, you do exhaust okay. it. Yep. Uh, after they activate it, you exhaust it. So both instinct training and nullification field are once per round cards, which is what also kind of makes them tricky. I mean, they're super powerful. It'd be crazy if they could be used more than once per round. Um, but because they have that cost, it just kind of feels like things aren't being very fair <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. because you're, you're getting the downside of both. But I mean, they're super powerful. Basically, the argument goes instinct training is crazy good because action cards end games and you have the, the super action card, right? Like you have, right. the, you are the only person that can stop Isarl after everyone else has passed, right? Yeah, that's true. Isarl plays unexpected action. Nobody else gets to play sabotage because we've all passed and they have transparasteel plating, but instead I have instinct training. Boom. Isarl, you're done. You're, you, you don't get to do the rest of your crazy Go maneuver. Home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nullification field is good, but it is super hyper defensive. It's like the best defensive ability in the game. And you already have lots of defenses. You probably already aren't necessarily everybody else's target. This is good if you need it, but it doesn't it's not required. Uh, it's certainly not a requirement because you're, you're going to have yeah. plenty of other defenses up. Um, but we'll talk about both a little more in the tech path. Yeah, part. definitely. Um, and finally, you have four commodities, which is critical to your success. You are going to use those four commodities as much as you possibly can. Um, so that's kind of the overview. We talked a little bit more about those uh, uh, promissory notes and, and techs uh, than I than I meant to. But it's all there's so much there's so much going on here. So let's get into um, round one strategy cards and in general how you should feel about different strategy cards. And I this is another point I don't want to sit here and belabor, but it's also your round one and two are really hard. So we can't um, we can't mess around here. <laughs> so I mean, I would say they're mid they're mid games hard and the late game too. It's yeah, just it's like hard. this is a harder <laughs> faction to play. Yeah, yeah, and you have to go into it with that in mind. And similar to like the Sardak guide, uh, like. That should be part of your meta, which we'll talk about meta more later. But like you need to treat every moment as if like this game is hard and you need to you need to solve a lot of problems, because if you're just sitting comfortable, that's when you're going to fall behind. So let's talk about the strategy cards in round one. Um, First up is leadership. Um, Hunter, what would you say is like the average? I've been trying to figure this out. What is like the average ranking of leadership? Like how do 
all if we just took all 17 factions together how do you rank leadership as a strategy card round one like how bad do you okay on average this want is it? kind of fun uh i mean if i were if i were to make like a generic list basically this is how it would go it would be warfare or trade in either order probably warfare and then trade warfare trade politics leadership uh and then the other ones you skip tech i think tech goes in there somewhere oh wait yeah sorry sorry i, d- I did skip tech didn't i so it would be tech or warfare then trade then politics then leadership yeah leadership is to me like fourth pick but for some for some it's more like third pick or yeah, yeah. second pick even so um we went over four five different abilities let's let's talk about the abilities we're actually we'll talk about this more later but Command counters are ridiculous for extra. You need it for both right. faction techs. You need it for quash. You need it to uh, do peace accords if someone else takes Diplo. Like, you need it for freaking everything. Your promissory note even costs you the token. Like, every single thing you have costs you tokens. So getting ahead on tokens is never, ever, ever going to be a bad idea. Right. So right. for that end, I would call leadership a like a middle pick. It's good. It's, it's kind of right where you put it. It's like third or fourth pick maybe. There are other things that are going to help you way more, but you never balk at if you have access to leadership and your top picks aren't accessible. Yeah, grab leadership. That's going to be great for you. Um, some fun things you can do with leadership. Uh, it helps you get a good space dock off of construction. Because Mm -hmm. you can better guarantee that you'll have enough command counters to do construction, do warfare, like do all the things that you want and still have some behind. Um, Normally doing construction round one as a secondary is kind of like, are you sure you can jump for that? That's that's kind of a lot to to spend your second command counter on construction. And extra definitely in a lot of cases want a forward dock or want to go ahead and start laying a PDS grid. So construction is like always useful for them. So leadership is in my mind the only way you do the secondary construction round one, probably. Um, yeah. There's 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 other situations that could come up, but I I think I think I would reliably do it if I took leadership. Right. Um, what other secondaries are we doing? You could do politics, but I don't love it. Um, the early action cards are could could be a big deal for you, but in general, I don't think it's worth the cost because I think I would rather save the command counters for later. So I don't really think we're doing politics. Uh. We talked about construction, um, trade. Obviously, you're you're not doing that. You're trying to get wash, like you're trying you're trying to get refreshed for free. I would not spend the token on trade unless, again, there's all kinds of specific scenarios that can come up for that. But generally speaking, I would not unless your trade baron is being really really hard on you, and you can convince like one of your neighbors to to do it as well. Um, that probably won't happen though because you are a four commodity factor. Exactly, like, people you pro- are going to want to trade with you. Exactly, uh, warfare, hundred percent. Yes, you're doing it. You got to do warfare, um, and because you're doing warfare, you're probably spending all of your money on warfare, which means you're almost definitely not doing tech. Um, I'll say this much: in any situation, you're almost never doing tech and warfare. You're doing tech or warfare. And I'm yeah. going to, for all of these cards, I'm basically going to say Warfare is always better. Uh, because to even do tech at all, you got to find an extra dollar, which means it's infinitely uh, more questionable if you can pull that off. Whereas Warfare, you have the three bucks you need to get a carrier. You can do that. Now, the thing that can screw you on Warfare is if the timing sucks. So that's that's the the coin you're flipping, right? Is can I, can I not get stalled out by Warfare or can I find the money for tech? Sometimes you get neither, and that is that sucks, and that's why extra can be hard to play because sometimes you get neither, and you expand into one system round one, and that's it. That's all you did. Oh well, 
Get him. You'll get him next time, slugger. Um, what well, what if for some reason I made like let's say uh, trade happened and I was able to turn all of my commodities into trade goods? Not normal, but l- maybe there was some. Right. Maybe I traded like a political secret along, yeah. and I was able to completely get washed, and I took leadership. Would you do I, tech then? I'm still gonna say generally no um it depends on what your tech path is going to end up being and that is a big question that has to be answered by a lot of factors um what kind of slice you have what the first objectives are um if i can answer those at all right now it would be like if tech objectives are out i'll do tech right yeah if especially if i would say if two unit upgrades are out I need to get started on tech. If two and two colors are out, I think I can do that later. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have kind of some time. If both are out, oh yeah, absolutely. You need to get freaking working on tech. Um, right. So that's like my... So, so overall, I'm, I'm really just trying to point out to the listener that in uh, the early game discussion, we are prioritizing position yep. and plastic yep. over tech. Tech is going to be lower. Yeah. And we're going to probably... I mean, in a lot of games... I mean, we're going to get to it, but you're going to pay for this in the mid game. Yeah, yeah. But it's a necessary evil. Yeah, I, I like. would rather have units in the mid game than I would have a bunch of tech and no units is basically yeah. what it comes down to. So, yeah, you're prioritizing getting your planets, getting your slice, because that's our only thing, right? Our ability is to fortify and defend our slice. If I don't get a slice, I have nothing to defend and my tech isn't going to be used for anything. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the prevailing theory. Um I, I wrote in here this thing about Diplo. I'll say it super fast because it's not important. If someone else, for some reason, picked Diplo while you picked leadership, you can have a pretty cool round because you can flip. You can you can do Diplo. You can get extra money for warfare. You can also get money for tech. Like you can have a really rich round. Um, and doing the secondary Diplo can be cool. Like you're getting the peace accords and all that. But that's just not going to happen. But I, I would absolutely do the secondary of Diplo. Um, mm-hmm. in, in games where it's there. You, it's also yeah, one of the rare situations possible. you can get like two systems and then refresh like two, three dollar planets or whatever. Like you can get a lot of stuff out of it. Um, so, but that's, you're not gonna, that situation's not gonna come up, so. <laughs> well, speaking of Diplo, let's let's talk about Diplo. Yeah, and we're talking where, about new Diplo. Diplo. We sort of touched on this last week, but uh, it's, so it's it's gotta be worth noting that diplomacy is better for you as X-Chop than literally any other faction in the game. Because you right. have an ability that triggers off of it. You get an extra planet. And in my last game as Diplo, I got every single planet in my pie slice round one because of Diplo. So in that That's way, great. it can be great. It can really set you up for an economic advantage in round two and even in round one. Basically, my last game as x without much difficulty, I had Diplo. I got every uh, planet in my slice. I got my flagship round one and round two i got gravity drive like i had all i had it all baby um and that can happen with diplo if the recipe is right there's a crazy noise happening in the background and i'm sorry i forgot to turn off my cat's new litter box isn't that fun (laughs) yeah that's fun (laughs) i'm leaving it in let's keep going um so the problem with diplo is that the timing didn't get any better which is to say for extra you have one carrier you are only getting one system reliably. To get that second system, you got to get the secondary of warfare to happen, right? Right. So the idea that you're going to take two systems 
to get two good planets to then diplo two of those juicy planets and then like do warfare or whatever nah, not that's happening. just so much to ask so like don't even go there in your head like forget about it you're going to expand turn one turn two you're going to diplo well and uh, and also think of it this way so the problem with diplo always is other p even with new diplo by the way uh is you know, the unevenness of the game, especially in round one, can lead to, you know, really great factions getting to do something really crazy. And you're not one of those great factions. So it is a bummer for you if Mentac gets mirror computing round two. Yeah. Like, that's not good. That's not for great. You. That's not good for anybody. Right. Um, so, like, if... So, basically, the second you take diplomacy, the warfare guy has leverage over you. Yes. For sure. Yep. And now you, if you're going to make this happen the good way, you're probably going to have to play ball, which means you're going to have to pop Diplo when it works for everybody else, yep. which means, depending on what factions are at the table, one of them might do something disgusting. Yes. Yeah. So, you, you really have to watch out. Yeah. Uh, and I think there are times where, I mean... I'm trying to soften my position on Diplo. Right. It's really kind of burned me for so long, and I have had such hatred of it round one. Yeah. Um, but I think there are, you need to look at what factions are at the table and what tech skips they have in each of their slices and then figure out from there whether this yep. is a time where you can take Diplo. Here's my other favorite thing um, to do with Diplo. Uh, and, and I think we're assuming here that you're really only taking Diplo if you are last pick. Um, yeah. because almost everything else is better. There, there's a world where I don't specifically love politics round one. Um, but mm -hmm. I don't getting speaker token is juicy. Selling that speaker token is even more juicy. So like it's right. It's probably better than Diplo. So if you are last pick, I think what you do with Diplo is you tell the table before you pick it. Like, listen, I could pick construction here or I can make everybody really rich and pick Diplo, but I'm getting paid for it. And that's how you offset the problem of diplomacy is by making sure that in taking it, people are going to help you. That's that's where the power of Diplo, I think, comes in is the idea that like, yes, other people are going to get more than you get out of it because like mm -hmm. you playing diplo just like has a has a less cost for you even with the right. new diplo even though new diplo can be better in later rounds round one we're talking about the problem with extra being you're only getting one system so you still need it to be like a biz fria or bear glitter for you need to be five dollars worth and if it's not that you're not getting more than everybody else is getting people like right. l1z1x are gonna make like eight bucks off of diplo so as payment for them getting that eight bucks, you basically are going to like look at the trade player and be like, I want money. Like I want a good deal. I don't want X minus one. I want four bucks for my four commodities or even more. Right. I think I got a six for four or a five for four in my last game as X Cha by talking to the trade player who was to my left and I was going to pick Diplo. And I, and it was, I think it was. L1? I don't even remember. I'm going to be wrong. That, that that was up on the Twitch recently, and that's going to be the extra game that comes out like this week. But regardless, I made more than I should have made. But even then, like I even trying to get like a five for four isn't necessarily crazy if what you're offering is, hey, listen, you're all going to get a lot of money. And I think right. that's how you play Diplo. Yeah. Um, and a lot of, I mean, and the, t the tech skippery right. is going to get Wild, really crazy. wet and wild, um, really wet, The really other wild. specific thing you're doing with Diplo is I think if you're not getting your flagship out round one off of Diplo, 
you're you're maybe not using Diplo to its full advantage. You should be trying to make enough off of trade goods and enough off of the planets that you refresh that you can get the flagship out round one. The flagship is going to act as your second carrier. Instead of buying a second carrier, you're going to build your flagship. Again, this needs to work off the warfare timing, but that's like what you're buying. You're picking Diplo and I saying think- to warfare, do this favorably and I'll pick... Uh, I'll pick Diplo. So then you, you, your second two infantry go take that second planet system with your flagship. Sure. I, I think also, though, my problem here is maybe I'm going to throw on a necessary blue skip into gravity drive if you're building your flagship round one. A, a flat, yeah. your flagship round one isn't that big of a deal if it is going to take another two rounds to get in a solid position. Right. I I had kind of a I miss I misplayed how I built my map in the last game, but I had Centauri Grawl, which has the blue skip. And if mm-hmm. I had set it upright, I could have done a situation where I expanded to Centauri Grawl, got the blue skip, diploed the blue skip, teched to gravity drive, built the flagship, and then sent it adjacent to Mechatol Rex. And I, I screwed that up, but you definitely can do that. But even if you don't do that, if you can get your flagship into the system directly in front of your home, that that can be really great. Same deal. Yeah, yeah so it's the same fine. deal. So, so yeah, you got to look at the map slice. You got to look at how it all is laid out and, and how to like pull everything off correctly. But Hunter's not wrong. It is all really critical on what the positioning of all of this is. I think that's all we can say about Diplo. That's this. I, I'll I'll say this. I, I'm I'm gonna go a little bit harsher. Okay. If you don't have this way to get the flagship adjacent to Mechatol round two, I don't think it's worth it. Oh yeah, if you, get, if you, you are, yeah you are, round two. If you if you're putting your flagship in a spot where it can't get adjacent to Mechatol round two, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Because you if if you're using Diplo, it's because you need to get some sort of early game superpower yeah. because you're enabling somebody else to get an early game yeah, superpower absolutely. almost assuredly so yeah that that i think is the the necess- uh what would make it necessary yeah. for me yeah yeah um, all right so let's talk about politics i rank politics mid to low um it, the biggest reasons because you, you won't be able to do a ton um your best bargaining chip is speaker token um the best thing you can do the best time to take politics is when you pick right after trade um if trade is sitting to your right you can very often get your commodities completely washed for the speaker token. And by that, I mean right. not doing a four for four. Like, I'll give you the speaker token if you make me a very rich person, a very rich turtle, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, I want my four commodities plus two more trade goods or something like that. Like, right, that, that right. stuff isn't always totally crazy. Like, we do we do a wash or whatever. I'm not saying $6 for the speaker token. I'm saying, like, wash right. plus all it, money. All it costs them is two trade goods right. for the speaker token, right. basically. So, uh so that that's the power of politics. If I'm not in that position, politics is a little tricky for me. Um, the big benefit of it is obviously I could just give myself speaker token and have a better round two, and I just accept that my round one is going to suck. And you probably you probably pick warfare round two. Although there's a few different, you could also pick tech round two and start catching up. Um, but I, what I like is politics round one into warfare round two my warfare lets me go and get adjacent to mechatol rex uh mm-hmm. then construction pops because somebody probably took construction oh, round sure, two. Sure. that yeah, happens yeah. a lot um they take construction i get a f- 
Base stock adjacent to Mechatol Rex. My third action is to pop Warfare, pull the token off of adjacent to Mechatol Rex. And then my last action is if I haven't built my flagship already, I build at my brand new space dock adjacent to Mechatol Rex. I probably didn't put I my mean, flagship there to block the custodian point, but right, now I have that, a lock already hold. Happened. Yeah, I have a hold over Mechatol Rex going forward, which is a big thing that you need. You need that that flagship somewhere where it's going to make you money because you're going to threaten PDS shots later on. So that's why or we're even take Mechatol Rex or take Mechatol Rex yourself game. or whatever. You need it in a semi-threatening position. You need it on on a border that is dangerous for other people in the early game because in the early game people aren't going to take your slice. You can hurt their early game if you put it in the right spot and they won't do much to destroy it. In the mid game, that's a completely different topic and we'll get there. But in the early game, the more threatening you can make your flagship, the more money you can make or the more you can hurt your neighbors, which helps you in the long run. Right. And that's what politics can kind of maybe help you set up. But it's it's definitely not my favorite. Um, construction is a pretty low pick. Again, it's probably only your last pick. And it's if you don't have a good Diplo scenario... Uh, it's a, it's still a pretty safe thing. You can either get a forward dock or honestly, a second space dock at home doesn't hurt uh, because your production at home really, really sucks. So you're you're just looking for somewhere to have better production. If you have only one space dock all game in your home system, that's a rough game because you're only building four units per round. Every time, yeah, that's, that's nothing. impossible. That's impossible to keep up with everybody else. So you like literally have to get a second space dock somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. So at home's not bad. A three resource planet is is also good and having it forward is probably a better spot where your flagship can be pooped out of. Um, what, what I like about it at home is that we have a command counter economy problem and having a double dock means that whenever I'm spending that command counter, I'm getting the maximum yes, value. I agree with that I a lot. Out of yeah, it. I, I want to yeah. maximize my build. Um, so I probably put the bo- the dock down r- round one. Um, it's worth noting, though, that you could put two PDS down and start with like a really defensive early game slice. I just don't think that's necessary. Um, I, I don't think anybody's picking you off unless SAR is your neighbor. I don't think it's worth doing that. If SAR is your neighbor, you probably put two PDS down and you say to SAR, like, pick another target. <laughs> Go yeah, in a different you're going you somewhere get, else. <laughs> you get plasma scoring as soon as possible. You get PDS spread out as fast as possible and you get PDS two as fast as possible. And that's how you deal yeah. with SAR. So construction round one is really great in that scenario. Yeah, for sure. For uh, sure. Trade is probably your top tier pick. Um, it's probably tied for first. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about warfare in a second, but trade and warfare, I think, are the best things you can potentially get. Round one, trade. You're a four commodity faction. Uh, you have two cruisers that you can send out. Other people can send stuff to you. You can kind of be a little mini Hakan uh, round one if you really want to. Um, and you should try. You need to milk trade for as much as it's worth. You need as much money as possible. One important thing, we talked about the importance of getting the flagship out if you take Diplo round one. I don't think that's the case with trade. I would rather I would rather bank trade goods and spend planets on my flagship Um, and keep the trade goods for more important stuff later. So my early trade is not in an effort to get eight trade goods or five trade goods and then buy the flagship outright. My my goal Mm -hmm. with early trade is to start stockpiling those trade goods for all the scary stuff that's going to come up in the mid-game. Why is that? I mean, we talked about diplomacy as being something that would get you money, but in that situation, you build the flagship early. Why trade also equals money? Why doesn't it also equal round one flagship? I think round one, you're just trying to solve your round one and two. Round one mm-hmm. is it, like that's all you're thinking about. And with Diplo, you refresh the planets. You got to spend them. You have to spend that money right now. Like that's got to get used right. in some way, shape or form. 
and mm-hmm. the most efficient use of your money, again, also because you only have a four production home system, you're not building two cruisers and a bunch of fighters and ground forces, right? You don't you don't get to do that. You're going to build a very small amount of units, period. And so if you can get a large stockpile of money through planets because of diplomacy, you better spend that on the flagship. If I get the trade yeah. goods, I can spread that out and I can I need to be flexible later on because I don't have much flexibility as the turtles. So getting access to that flexibility is going to help me a lot more in the long run. And round two, I can probably still build my flagship with the planets I took round one and be okay. And I just, I I like this. I want to sit on those trade goods. It's sort of like round one Diplo is like a gambit. Yeah. Round one trade is like a steady as she goes kind of. And that's why trade is the pro is the better pick round round one Diplo is the last option. It's I, I'm right. last pick, I'm sixth pick, and I need something to save myself. So I guess I'll do the flagship round one. I don't think right. flagship round one is the best strategy that Extra can employ. It's a right. good last call, is mm-hmm. basically how it comes down. Be- beyond that, what trade what, what Extra is trying to do is open up their versatility. And really, trade goods are the only way you can do that. So mm-hmm. that that's So with trade, are we also doing technology or no? We're just gonna do warfare. I don't I, I still kind of just want to do warfare with trade. You can make the argument again, it comes down to are there a bunch of tech objectives or whatever? Like did both tech or did even one tech objective come out? I'm still of the opinion if it's two and two colors, I think extra is gonna not actually have a big problem getting two and two colors eventually. And my goal is to really focus on every single other objective in the game first. And accept that, like, the very last stage one public objective that I might score are the tech objectives. And you'll get there. Like, that should be your mentality with tech objectives is I don't need to rush to pull off a tech objective. I just need to do it before the stage twos come out. And then that's what my focus needs to be on. Yeah, see, I think I I would get a little worried about about that. Because you are gated as far as how much tech you can get within the game. Well, so let's say like you take trade and you get like a crazy amount of trade goods. Let's say you get like, uh, let's see. So you're going to get four. You're going to get three. Uh, let's say you get like nine or 10. Mm. Would you still not go after tech? I think you you could. The The issue is like what tech we're getting around one. And that's where the problem comes to me is like you're if you're getting tech around one, you're getting neural. Mm-hmm. And that's basically it. Like end of equation. And I... Just don't know if you need it that bad more than you need to have the money next round to like invest in even more units or something like that. Like, I, I don't know. Okay. I, here's okay. here's what I've I don't I don't think I have a like a great scientific way to put this. What I have is the anecdotal way to put this, which is almost every successful game of extra that I've seen has been really laid back on tech and they focused on everything mm-hmm. else. I mean, Mick Mac Moose in our semifinals, he had like four technologies in the end game, right? <laughs> Maybe even three. He had almost no tech. I don't know what right. Magi's tech scenario was in last year's um, game that he played. Semifinals, as yeah. But like most times that I have played extra and gone heavy into tech, I've had no money for anything else. I didn't have enough plastic early to go take stuff that right. I needed. Right. I, I had no capability to go do stuff. I just had a bunch of tech and I was sitting on a right. stockpile of tech and it didn't do anything for me. But every time I've been really, really tight on tech, sure, sometimes the tech objectives come out and you're like, ah, I hate that. That sucks. But it's it's still not worse than having no board position. 
Right. That's okay. That's the cool, way cool, I cool. feel about it. Um, I, I like the case you're making. I'm here. super willing to be wrong here. Um, it's just that it's I've never seen it work the other way. It's never worked okay. for me the other way, and I don't I don't have the analysis to drive that point home. And I wish I did. Right. Um, no, no, no. I, th- I and I think we're gonna when we get into problems here yeah. in a little bit, it will become even more apparent why you're taking this yeah. this hard a stance. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about warfare. Warfare is probably your favorite pick. Um, mm-hmm. you know, again, I can make arguments why trade, depending on the neighbors and all that stuff, could be better. But warfare is like your only safe bet. Warfare is the only thing that will reliably save your round one. Um, mm-hmm. my favorite thing to do with warfare is, and this requires the slice to match it. But if you have two two planet homes, uh, two planet systems adjacent to your home, so in those three systems adjacent to you, if you have two of those, what I want to do is move my carrier out of my home system, send out a cruiser to go trade with somebody as my second action. As my third action, I activate my home system and I build a carrier at home. As my fourth action, I finally play Warfare. Um, And then as my fifth action, I move that carrier to the second planet. That lets me stall Warfare as long as possible and it helps me slow down anybody else at the table. I might need to slow down and get them on my level. And it lets me get two systems, and I've had a successful round one. Um, the alternative, obviously, if the slice uh, necess- necessitates it, is you move your carrier out. You probably still then, as second action, send that trade cruiser out to go make some money. Again, those four commodities, you need to turn into trade goods round one. Like You, you can't... Mm-hmm. In games where I had no trading round one, I felt it. <laughs> I felt it really, really poorly in the in the rounds two and three um you need that early money um so send that cruiser out your third action you pull the command token from where your carrier moved to and as your fourth action you move that carrier again to either like an equidistant system or the system adjacent to mechatol rex if that has a a good planet system so those are basically your two options and both of them are solid and it just a hundred percent depends on what your pie slice looks like I got a question for you. What do you think about the play of expanding towards Mechatol, Warfare, expand towards Mechatol again? So now I have the adjacent to Mechatol system going into round two, which I feel like would make the eventual flagship next to Mechatol goal really easy. Like, why why is that not as good? I I think it's not as good because I don't think... With you taking Warfare first, it probably means your first or second pick, yeah. which means you probably are really low in speaker order next round, which means the chances that you're going to get Mechatol are still very, very low because someone's going to have initiative over you. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't need... I can get there round two. Just like I can still get there and get my flagship adjacent to Mechatol round two. Um, if I take construction round two, right, I can right. put the space dock there right. and build the flagship. So, like, I'm not hindered in any way um, by doing any of that. And, like, next round, I can still get there and get the stuff out. I don't know. I just, there's an argument for both. Like, it, again, all this stuff, I'm putting a priority down, but I don't think that priority is final. I think it 100% depends on your your map set up and your game if you if you if you are desperate you see the desperate need to get that flagship adjacent to mechatol like first or second action of round two yeah push push that direction but it's just it depends on the map and it depends on the factions at play and it depends on what everybody else is doing and you just got to keep your eye on the table mm-hmm. 
Um, so for, for me, the reason I like just taking the two adjacent to home is like, I know as extra, I can rely on having like a decent PDS network and having my flagship protect my home system and everything. And if I just keep everything in the pocket right there, I know that's not going to go wrong. Like I, I know right. I'll keep all that. But if I stretch right. my neck out adjacent to Mechatol, that's when I've been burned in the past. That's when ghosts have jumped into my slice and taken planets from me or whatever. But if everything's right. just right there next to my home system, that doesn't go wrong as often. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. So uh, moving on to technology, we've we've been downplaying technology a lot so far as a secondary. Right. So like where does technology rank as a primary? I put it like in the middle. It's above politics. It's above construction. It's above diplomacy. It's probably tied with leadership. Um, I might put it just below leadership. I think I want leadership more than I want tech. But mm -hmm. then that comes into factors of like who are you giving tech to, right? You have to You have to factor that in. I don't necessarily want technology to fall to like my barony neighbor that's sitting on my left. So right, I might take right. tech in that scenario. Um, but generally speaking, I would say tech is a little bit less than leadership for me because my command commander account uh, economy is what's so much worse. And my tech situation is just already this kind of mess that getting a tech round one doesn't necessarily fix anything. That's the big right. thing. Tech round one, I'm almost always getting neural. Um, there's an argument to get plasma. We'll talk about tech paths in a bit, but you're generally speaking, I mean, neural is the thing that the earlier you get it, the better, uh, you're going to want neural eventually because you're going to want instinct training. Eventually you're going to want cruiser two. Eventually there's a lot of right, stuff that you right. want. So neural is just the obvious pick round one. Um, it's just, the issue is neural motivator doesn't help you do anything positionally round one. Right. Gravity drive factions that want gravity drive. Gravity drive is critical round one because it lets them do stuff round one. Neural doesn't help me do anything round one. So that's why I don't love tech. Um, it's it's It just doesn't matter. And also, we have a tech problem that we're going to talk about here in a bit that I'm going to call the plan. We have two options for the plan. And doing technology round one is making a call before we know the plan. Right. Is basically the point. Like, our tech path is going to depend on a lot of factors. And the early, the earlier we pull the trigger on our tech path, the more we could be spurned by that decision. <laughs> right. The more likelihood we have to have that screw us over in the long run. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. tech, tech is obviously you're getting ahead on tech, and that's always great. It's just th that can go poorly for you. Um, yeah. And then of course, I think it's also worth noting that if you take tech, the only secondary you really have to do is warfare. Is warfare. Yeah, that's nice. So you would be okay. I mean, not great, but yeah. you would still be somewhat decent going into and there's, round two. And there's less likelihood that you get stalled out by warfare. Um, oh, for sure. There's still yeah, a yeah. decent amount that you can get stalled out by them, but there's less. Uh, the last one is Imperial. Uh, Imperial is basically useless, especially because you as a faction are pretty good with diplomacy or construction, which are usually going to be your other options uh, if your last pick. I did want to make the one argument, though, that if you know warfare is going to screw you over, you might take Imperial just to not get stalled out by warfare. And also, if you have the full intent of making a Mechatol play uh, with an Imperial card later on, which we're going to talk about, um, getting the early second secret objective actually isn't a bad thing because you're going to really super duper rely on secret objectives uh, in the late game. So if you can mm -hmm. get two in the bag and then score your Imperial point later um, without and not draw a secret objective, that can be really 
actually quite good for you. It's just, it's interesting that if you're sixth pick extra, you have three strategy cards that you're kind of like, ooh, I kind of value all of these. Um, right. So you're going to have to make that call depending on your game. Um, but the big thing is if you know your meta and you know they're going to warfare stall you and the person with warfare has loads of stalls, like that might be the opportunity you have to do Imperial. And I'll say this much too though, Imperial doesn't even necessarily save you. So don't let that be the only reason you're doing it. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that makes sense. Um, generally speaking, you're not going to do Imperial round one. You're going to do Diplo cool. or Construction. Oh my cool. gosh, this is, this. that was a lot. And now we have to that get- That was a lot. Now we have to get to the actual <laughs> thesis statement of the extra guide um, because this is the part of the show where we talk about problems that extra mm -hmm. has. And as we've already kind of been talking about, there's a lot of them. Um, so Hunter, I want to, I've been talking a lot and I want to recap with you. Um, yeah. so from your perspective, um, what are all of the things, what, what are the costs of being extra compared to vanilla factions or any other factions? But like, if we, if we compared what mm -hmm. keeps extra from being a, I don't have any abilities fact, uh, uh ability, you know, I, I don't have any abilities faction. So number one, it feels like command counter economy is a problem. Right. Um, almost every solid ability you have involves spending a command counter. So if you don't manage that economy in the early game, the mid game, you might just kind of run out of options. Um, it feels like we are a very flagship dependent faction, which is odd. Uh, there's not really, there, there's almost no other faction that where you talk about the flagship this much. Yeah. Uh, flagships cost a lot of money. Um, and we don't necessarily have a reason to get Sarween. Uh, not that that would even make much of a difference, but um, but yeah, so we have stuff we need to sp uh, spend money on. It feels like our tech uh, is quite a problem. Uh, our mobility is a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a lot of reasons to maybe take... Uh, so like I, when I first started playing uh, Extra, I was obsessed with taking construction a lot. Yeah. And the thing that I've noticed as a problem for that is construction is a really good pick if you kind of have everything else figured out. Um, yes. But construction really only helps you accomplish two secret objectives, um, and that's it. So it, it doesn't really, like, establish a lot of... Uh, like, I would rather have a good command counter economy and just get to do the secondary of construction than I would actually have yeah. to take construction. Yeah. Taking construction is in itself a cost because taking yeah. construction means you didn't take a different card that would net you more There's an gain. opportunity cost. If we wanted to, like, put Magi math on this, what you gain, you know, the space dock or PDS that you gain from construction is way less than the entire technology or the ability to like move and build and remove with warfare or whatever. All those things mm -hmm. have just way more net value than construction does. And with extra, we're playing a net value game, right? We, we are very much playing like a, we got to make a buck everywhere we can and taking construction only slows us down. So yeah. And also Graviton is not a great tech on its own. So we sort of start mm -hmm. without a tech, I would say. Yeah. I mean, it's not that bad, but Graviton by itself, I mean, you basically need Plasma and PDS2 in order for Graviton to even really be usable. Yeah. Um, I guess it is a round one deterrent uh, in that you, if you want to pull some round one that's, shenanigans, that's a really you're good really going to need to bring some stuff. Point, though. We talked about this idea earlier of, like, why is Extra a PDS faction if their flagship is a PDS? And I mm -hmm. think the Graviton argument is the answer to that, right? 
Right. We we are a PDS faction because we start with this tech that most people debate whether they want to get or not and probably skip. And so it's because we start with it. It's like, well, we have this innate advantage should we choose to use it. Um, right. An early game PDS against like a carrier and two fighters and a ground force that's coming to try to take a planet from you. Graviton freaking rules in that situation. Yeah. Like early game spreading out those PDS can be really, really good. Um, it's in the mid and late game where Graviton shifts how good it can be. Graviton can still be really great in the late game, but it just people tend to have better fleets to put up with it. People start getting destroyers out that are their Graviton soak hits. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think um, the, the idea that like you need pds is tricky and that's why it's difficult to decide what to focus on so we talked about command counters you need like eight bucks as fast as possible uh you need construction tech you need all this stuff so how do we turn all of those problems how do we find solutions for all those problems and on top of all those problems is the race to 10 points and how uh the stage two objectives play into that. And this is where all of our problems come to a head. So I want to lay out two paths. This is my effort to just make it as simple to spell out as possible. There are not just two ways to play extra. That is not what I'm trying to suggest, but what I'm trying to give are two frameworks that then you can kind of plug and play with right like okay if i'm gonna do Mm -hmm. this one there's probably some areas where i can diverge from the path but there's two directions that you can choose to go in and when you decide to go in one of those directions you have abandoned the other direction and you will not be going back to it so that was the thing we were talking about earlier with tech where it's like once you set forth on your tech path there's probably no going back so Let's talk about the two paths, the the paths. Um, I'm putting that in all cat in in cat. The P is capitalized here. The path. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, the first one is, as you'll hear Billy uh, cry out every time extra is brought up on the discord. Blastoise. What does Blastoise build? Blastoise. We scream it all the time. Blastoise is called Blastoise because Blastoise is a blue Pokemon and Blastoise is blue extra. What we mean by blue extra is gravity drive extra um which is to say and we'll get into like specific tech path later but the way i define blastoise is you're getting the flagship out as fast as possible round one if you can you get gravity drive as fast as possible round two if you can uh and you move that flagship into people's way you get it not just next to Mechatol, but maybe like you move it directly into the equidistant. And now you're like taking over half of your neighbor's slice and you're threatening them all the time and you're making lots of money off of it or you're holding a bunch of territory that's really important to you. It's a really threatening and aggressive way to play extra and it can be crazy fun, but there are some huge drawbacks to Blastoise. Um, the big thing being it's way easier to stop than you think it is. Um, Blastoise did not get plasma scoring only is relying on Graviton and the power of your flagship alone and if somebody decides that they want to deal with that problem they probably can I have a very specific memory of a game with Zendog on the discord where he was like I'm not putting up with this flagship and he just jumped on it and I had to retreat it and I was losing a lot of stuff and it like 
really cost me my position in the game because I got too aggressive with my flagship against someone who wasn't willing to put up with that. Um, mm -hmm. So over-aggression can really hurt you. Um, it's also incredibly taxing on your economy. You have to get tech really fast, and you have to get your flagship really fast. That is a f effectively 16 bucks you need to spend like immediately, <laughs> which means you're not scoring any spend objectives in the early game. Right. right. You're probably not at scoring any control objectives. Right. I either, mean, well, the so. goal is to be setting yourself up to get those control objectives. Maybe in the, in the mid game, but you in the still have to plop all this money down. Yes, first. absolutely. It's it is a tough and and crazy fast round one and two and round three. You're hoping things don't backfire on you is basically how Blastoise plays out. And when Blastoise yeah. backfires, you're dead in the water. That's it. That's your whole game. You you invested every dollar you had into making that work. And when it doesn't work, you're down 16 bucks and every ship you have like you're just out you you're not gonna make a comeback unless mm -hmm. like some crazy king slaying happens in the late game but generally speaking this is um really fast now you you can slow this down a little bit um i played a blastoise recently that i had a blue skip i got my flagship out early and i got an early fleet logistics and i used fleet logistics and diplomacy together a lot i picked diplomacy four separate times in that game round one awesome. and then round four through six i had diplomacy every single time um and that felt actually kind of balanced now it felt also balanced because i had kind of a perfect slice for that and i got all of the perfect objectives so i had a lot of luck on my side but again when the luck comes on your side thing that that's the like the only time extra feels great i've also tried to do blastoise and not had any of the luck and it felt like an absolute disaster the entire time i was playing so right but blastoise i would say if you are like me and you've heard the way that we describe my play style blastoise is the only way you might be willing to play extra sure because the yeah, yeah. the other the flip side of it is to me not engaging or interesting or fun at all but it is absolutely a strategy that can win as extra so let's talk about the other option which is just the turtles mm -hmm. this is so if, if blastoise is blue and green tech the turtles are red and yellow um and your goal with the turtles are to turtle up stock up on uh, pds you get your flagship out when you can right you're not you don't have to rush into the flagship because your pds will help your early defenses and you can focus on spending money on spend objectives getting the text situation where you need it to be and then maybe around like three or four you finally get the flagship out to kind of like help secure your late game um mm -hmm. and the goal with the turtles is to in the final round of the game be sitting on like a almost indestructible pie slice like you just right. you can't be tapped into um what this requires and what is what, what i find annoying about this is what you're doing is relying on your slice to score every single objective so you can be basically incapable of doing territory control objectives right mm -hmm. trying to do three tech skips as the red yellow turtles is really hard unless things are positioned in a really advantageous way for you same goes with four of a trait um, and the stage twos are a complete roll of the dice because you have set up a situation where your tech doesn't give you any opportunity to take the sixth planet of a trait or the fifth tech skip or somebody else's home system or any of that stuff. And you also don't have a very good tech game. So two and four colors is impossible. You basically are only probably going to do 16 resources or 16 influence. Now in the games where those, one of those two stage twos come up, 
and you've set up this really awesome solidified position, you could just be coasting into a victory. Um, but in every other game, you end up at like eight, seven or eight points, and you're like, I don't even know where I was ever supposed to score any other points. Like nothing else was ever possible, and everyone else. I think just got this ahead is the one. This this is the this is the one I gravitate to, yeah. towards when I play extra, and I feel like the only way this works is if you are able to get extra like points outside yep. of the public objective cycle. Definitely, like mechatol points, agenda points, support for the throne. Those are like your number one targets, and you need to figure out how to get those. Yeah. You're gonna have to do early. Pro- I, I would start the support swaps if I'm going this path. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right. I would Round just be two like, yeah, let's support do it. swap. Right, need it. Yeah, got to do it. Yeah, sorry, I agree completely. I mean, I, I honestly, the way the math works out is both of them very much require this, but the turtles a hundred very very much require it. Uh, Blastoise can find luck in other ways because you you will end up in positions that give you access to more stage twos the turtles Mm -hmm. are just like you got to find those other points because you're doing what's so annoying about this is that there's a lot of um like kind of key decisions you have to make when you play twilight imperium uh from a specific faction perspective that have to do with like a variable or two yeah but this feels like there's this is such a big choice between these two styles and it's super slice dependent yep and then also super objective dependent. Right. Okay. So like Let's you might have that. a good slice <laughs> for you might have a good slice for turtles, but the objectives are all blastoise. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like it's they're just not they don't match. You pick a so, path before you know what the objective layout is going to be. If right, we could play yeah. if we played Twilight Imperium like the Age of Empire variant in TI3, which was that you lay out all of the objectives from the get-go. That would help extra so incredibly much. Yeah, I can't yeah. even explain how, yeah. how much it would help them. How much it would help you? It, it's like if you knew every single objective that was going to come up and you could plan for it, extra would become. I think would go up in my rankings like three or four positions. But it's the yeah. f- it's the uncertainty of it all that makes it so difficult for extra. So yeah, you pick your path of I'm either going to go heavy territory control, uh, a, like. Uh, I'll cross the whole board or I'm going to go heavy like home control and the objectives you don't know which way they're going to hit yet and they either mm-hmm. and they either reward you or they don't and that's like the end result of any extra game is is those two paths end up working out for you or they don't and you didn't really even have control over the scenario like you, you just it's really it's just it's just a problem of versatility yep it really is. They're just not very versatile. It's like it reminds me of the of something Ginger said, I think, in his interview. I forget if this actually made it into the episode or not, but he's talking about fleets are still far and away the most versatile and best way to accomplish objectives in Twilight Imperium, right. without a doubt. So we have one path that involves relying specifically on just a flagship, right. which is not, not the most reliable. You're also pointing, putting a point on the board, we should say that. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is PDS. Neither of those options are particularly versatile. So if you make the wrong commitment, you can feel like you lost the game for no, for not a fair reason. You know what I mean? Because right. you made the choice before you knew what was going to happen. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's talk about how that choice takes form. Uh, and that that is through technology. Um, so we, we are basically going to invest in a tech path uh, earlier than we want to. Um, there's not going to be much room for deviation, maybe a tiny bit, but 
Uh, I'm basically going to define these as depend dependent on what tech skips you have or like what tech right. path you decide to go with. Um, it's also dependent on like what the first two objectives are or maybe even then the, the third revealed objective. Um, you might have that much time before you have to decide like what tech you're going for. Um, but like absolutely by the time the fourth objective is revealed, you need to have picked a path and be going full steam ahead. Um, so if you do not have a single tech skip, which is honestly kind of rare, uh, but if you just have no tech skip easily available to you, um, you are either doing neural or plasma scoring first, almost always neural. Um, there's just, there's, there's a few circumstances where you get plasma first. Again, we kind of said it earlier, if something like SAR is your neighbor and you know, they're going to gun for you, plasma scoring and some early PDS can help get rid of that. Otherwise, Neural, the whole point of Neural Motivator is that you get it as early as you can so that you get more action cards. Once you have Neural and Plasma, you have yellow, red, green. You can now get either PDS2 or Cruiser 2, whichever is more important. The Cruiser 2s are ways for you to go get more stuff that you otherwise wouldn't get. PDS2s are more ways to defend yourself. So you tell me what you need in your game, right? If you if you are lacking critical territory control objectives, get Cruiser 2. If you've got everything you need and you just need people to leave you alone, get PDS2. Once you finish that, instinct training you have neural um instinct training can basically save your late game uh, if you need to and that's maybe all the tech you get uh, i don't know that you need to be spending more money on tech beyond that because uh you probably need to spend it on more ships to save yourself in the late game now obviously right. we only have two um two upgrades and we don't even have two in two colors we have a yeah. yed <laughs> we have a yellow a red and two greens so obviously the objectives will dictate if you need to get something else um right but, you, you might have to get a bunk tech right in, in this path right with no skip which sucks but yeah i don't know that's where you're that's at. where you're at so. you're kind of a sardak again that graviton isn't specifically doing anything for you in your ability to gain object score objectives so you kind of are Sardak in that regard. Like you start with a tech that doesn't do anything for you. The only advantage is at least you start with a tech that is a color that can right. work towards right. objectives. That is worth something. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But again, because you're probably not teching round one because you can't afford it, you basically end up in the same position as Sardak, right? Sardak can right. afford a tech round one. The two of you could be in the same position round two, and now you're Sardak. So that's mm -hmm. kind of how I think about X Chai. Is like your your graviton is great to have, but it doesn't. It, your tech game is really tough, and and gonna you you need to find ways to solve it. Um, so let's talk about if we have a green skip. I think green skip is actually the most complicated situation you can find yourself in. Um, but you can do kind of one of two things, right? Hypermetabolism can help solve our command counter economy. We talked about that mm -hmm. being a major issue, and if you have a way to get neural and then skip to hyper like right away, that would be probably great. If I had a green skip, that might be one of the things that encourages me more round one to go ahead and research tech. Because if I know round two, I can skip to hyper, that is that is something worth maybe doing right. um, over getting more units. Like if, yeah, if yeah, the yeah. extra command counters can help me in round three and beyond, then that might be worth it. So it'd be neural into hyper, then go back to plasma and then do your normal PDS2, cruiser two, instinct training, whatever order that all needs to happen in. Um, and again, this is also lacking like a second red or a second yellow. All of this is like ignoring two techs and two colors and you might have to redivert to make that happen. But PDS2, cruiser two, instinct is kind of the general end train of both of these. And both of these play into the turtles, right? It, with either of these two situations, we're, we're, we're playing as uh, the hyper defensive turtles. 
if we get a blue skip, that is our best opportunity to decide to go Blastoise. We probably don't go Blastoise without a blue skip um, mm-hmm. because it's it's too costly and takes too long to make that happen. But if you have the blue skip, you just unlocked Blastoise, uh, which is to say you either skip to Grav Drive or you get Neural first round. Um, there's very few situations, actually, as extra where you need Gravity Drive round one. Um, the best situation I can come up with is that you actually can set yourself up in a position to take Mechatol Rex round two because you already have Grav Drive going into it. I don't think Grav Drive helps you get more important planets in round mm-hmm. one, but it just sets you up better to take Mechatol Rex round two. But generally speaking, you're going to get Neural round one or two or whatever. Um, and then you'll go into Gravity Drive. And then you can get either instinct training or fleet logistics, which is fun. You skip anti-mass that again. That's what I did recently. Uh, I just think extra can really, really benefit from fleet logistics. I, I'm probably, this is probably just the beginning of also me coming around on fleet logistics in a really major way. We saw it used really well in this recent tournament and just that you can do so much with it that I'm, I'm really finding its value recently. But I think because, Extra also has this added incentive to take diplomacy and like fleet logistics into diplomacy is a pretty fun combo of like take a system and then immediately lock it down that uh, I don't know. There's a little bit of added benefit there. So you get either one of those two and then you can do the three upgrades of carrier two, dread two or infantry two in basically any order, whatever seems important. Um, and what's notable about this is you got two techs in two colors and you got three unit upgrades. Like you, you did everything. You did all the tech you objectives. Right. And that's a yeah. lot. I mean, it's, it's asking you to get more tech than you otherwise would have, but um, you had a lot of power throughout the game. Um, and with carrier two, we can actually support the flagship. Yes. So, I mean, like if you can get to that, yeah. then that's decent. Yeah. Um, the basically last one is if you have a yellow skip, I don't think a yellow skip actually does much for you, except for like if you get the faction tech's secret objective, you can get nullification field. Or in general, like you can now go ahead and skip Sarween to get nullification field, uh, maybe as your second yellow tech. I think I do essentially the no skip tech path of neural plasma, PDS2, cruiser 2, instinct training. And somewhere in there, I can decide to fit in nullification field if I want to. I think mm-hmm. a yellow skip is the only situation we actually get nullification field because otherwise it takes too long with not enough benefit for us to get it. Yeah, and what even, like, let's talk a little bit about what. how does null field even, like, kind of come into the extra strategy? Like, right. What, where does that fit? Null field is great for that situation where you've locked down the victory and you can completely prevent anyone from doing anything about you because if they mm-hmm. try to activate your home system you null field the person who would do the most damage and they just don't even get to do the attack. Um, So it is, it is the ultimate defensive tech. Uh, It's just, again, like if you went null field, you probably went PDS two and lots of PDS on the ground and plasma scoring, right? Like you, you probably already are pretty defensive. So I just don't think null field is solving any of your problems. There's a world where you play a null field extra that like, gets in neighbor slices and then for them to try to get their <laughs> stuff back 
Like right. it's impossible for them to do like that. Cruiser two, you just kind of sneak in and take a planet, right. and then now they can't respond right. to that. That exists, but that feels like a crazy. I mean, that's what would be in our experimental tech paths extra. Sure, that's yeah, so yeah, yeah. far from standard, sneaky, sneaky extra. and and like not using any of their other tools. Right, you're you're just right. doing that one crazy thing rather than using any of their other abilities to their full advantage. Um, it, it's definitely a thing that can be done. It's just. I don't know. It's real tricky. Um, I I think that is significantly more difficult to make useful. uh, And that seems to be the prevailing mentality that people have. Right. Right. Instinct training kind of pays for itself in the opportunities that you get. Nullification field kind of just solves a problem that shouldn't be. If it's a problem still, then you haven't been you haven't been having a good yeah game extra right anyway right and it's not going to save you <laughs> from right. it's not going to help you find a victory. Um, and yeah. finally, if you have a red skip in your slice, congratulations, you have more command counters at your disposal. You will not be yeah. using that red skip. <laughs> bye bye, go home. <laughs> um, so I think that's more or less the tech paths. Again, basically, no skip and green skip and even yellow skip all feed into uh, the turtles. And blue skip lets you do Blastoise. The last thing I want to make, the last point I want to make about like the Blastoise versus Turtles thing is sort of the opportunity cost of both of them, which is to say Turtles have a um, more difficult time scoring all of the objectives, but it's way easier to pull off the Turtles, right? To get all the stuff to work as the Turtles mm-hmm. is great. But then you're leaving it completely up to a roll of the dice as to whether or not you'll ever score all of the points you need to score. You're just hoping and praying that everything comes your way. Blastoise is your way to actually be be proactive about those things. But Blastoise crashes and burns way more often. (laughs) Right. It's more difficult to pull off all of the maneuvers and do everything you need to do. And like Mm -hmm. there's more threats that happen to you. Um but you leave yourself, if it succeeds, you leave yourself more opportunities. So basically, Blastoise fails in the mid-game. Turtles fail in the late game if they're going yep. to fail. If they succeed, I mean, awesome. You're going to have a rousing success. This is going to be a really great game for you in either scenario. But when they fail, um, they, they fail in very different ways. And so there, I think the big disputes you will see from people come down to their mentality of how general games of Twilight Imperium are won. People like myself and Brian from the finals are a very Blastoise style person of like, I want to get the points when I can get them. And if I crash and burn in the mid game, then I was always going to crash and burn. And then you have players Mm -hmm. that play the long game way more often and they can probably succeed with the turtles because they're just waiting to see where everything falls into place. And if they can then manipulate the rest of the game into giving themselves the opportunity to score those final points. That's way more advantageous for them. I I can't pull that off. It doesn't work for me. But people like Nina Spades and Duke Lukem can. <laughs> and Micmac Moose. And like all these people that are just way better manipulators and do better from behind than I do. Mm-hmm. They, they That's where they find that success. So it's just two completely different types of people. Um, I don't remember how he got it, but Moose won his semifinal game, which is semifinal uh, game four. Yep. You should watch it. It's a great game. Um he ends the game with two support for the thrones. Right. I don't even remember how that happened. <laughs> like, I don't know how he right. got that. Yeah. Cause I was wondering, I was just kind of curious, like, Oh, we have this extra game on file. Yep. And what was the point spread for him? Where did he get these 10 points? Yeah. And it's pretty weird. Yeah. It's not it's support it's, for the thrones. And he, and 16 resources was the first stage too, which is like a yeah, very or 16 influence, or 16 influence yes. which is even better. 
even that's literally that. the best stage two that can come up for extra so it's like right there are, there are things that if they work out for you will work out very very well um yeah so okay we are we're we're now at a point where we need to talk about all this crazy meta stuff sure um, yeah, yeah yeah so what is it like to trade as x child what is what is what is the what is the trade good game we've talked a lot about the four commodities thing um what are we trying to do with it i mean obviously just the four commodities we said this about round one but it maintains throughout the entire game which is like you need to make trades favorable for yourself um mm-hmm. I, I think if you're turning your four commodities into three trade goods as extra i don't think you're doing enough um, because you're behind you and, and that's just kind of keeping you in in that behind state of affairs you need to really you take trade so that you have control over the trade negotiations and you can make and you need to find ways to make more money for yourself now if you have trade and then you offer x minus ones to everyone and that gets you a lot of money maybe that's the way you do it but uh, that doesn't always work as often for me i just think as long as you are making as many trade goods as possible when you pop trade that's more important. I think extra is in in a unique position where like they can generally be pretty well defended, which means you can kind of lose some of the table's favor in trade by being kind of like, no, I don't want to do that bad deal. I want a deal that is favorable for me. And a faction that normally couldn't withstand that, I think Sardak is a good example of that, where like Sardak doesn't get any wiggle room at the trade negotiations. I think Extra right. does. And that's where Extra's advantage starts to come into play is like when I take trade, I get to have control over this and I get to get more money than I otherwise should. Um, so I, I think you really have to, to work your commodities like that. What about the other tools they have, though? Um we sort of barely talked about political favor, um, but the gist of political favor is it is the exact same as quash. And if you are selling political favor, Hunter, if I try to sell you political favor in the middle of a round, what could political favor be worth to you? Meaning like, what does a quash someday in the future mean to you? How much is that worth? Um... I mean, I'd have to be pretty ahead. I'd have to have, to have a lot of money lying around, and you'd have to be selling it for pretty cheap, right? Because it's it's literally it's I'm playing as either Ghost or Hakan or Mentak, and I am afraid of a, a or maybe I'm on Mechatol, right? And I'm just afraid of a specific agenda, yep. and I am so far ahead in my economy that I'm willing to just start buying up right ways like, to protect that ways to protect against that which would be cool i mean don't get me wrong having a political favor and i'm playing as one of those factions that would be awesome i probably would be interested in getting it right but the other thing is that it just doesn't make sense because like okay well all right i'll kind of argue for and against um if you are playing as extra and you're having and you you are kind of desperate I could see myself selling political favor. It would feel like a dark deal, yeah. but, and I, cause I would probably have to sell it cheap, right? Yeah. Cause it maybe will be useful to somebody. Maybe it won't be. Right. Um, it buys that person some security um, because the difference, you're kind of saying that like, oh, why not just sell quash? Well, the thing is political favor is my ability to to use quash and maybe you Without didn't Without your want permission. To. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, which is, you know, if I'm Hakan and I have, 30 trade goods and everyone else has two and economic equality comes out uh, i'm probably gonna lose all those trade goods right. um right so, so like regardless so the other question yeah. then was like okay 
selling political favor to Hakan, who's sitting on 30 trade goods, maybe that's even worth like five trade goods, right? Sure. But selling yeah. the ability for me to quash the moment economic equality actually comes out is worth like 10 trade goods to that Hakan. You're right. <laughs> in that, even that situation I painted, it would be like, all right, you, we're, we're partners now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like you lose for you, everything or I get lots of your money. <laughs> right. Yeah, in that situation, let's say I have 30, extra has zero, just to make it easy. Yeah. I would be like, all right, fine, I'll give you 15. Yep. So we both have 15. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas during the round, I, there's no way I got 15 trade goods off of Hakan for my political right. favor. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, my exactly. argument for political favor is anytime you sell it, you are costing yourself money you could have just sold the quash for by itself. You are giving Probably. someone that permission to quash when you didn't want them to so there's almost no situation you should ever sell political favor obviously we can make because we're extra we're desperate so there are situations that will come up where we're like it's the only way i can make the money i have to make my right sardak now. tendencies now make me want to just say like do just, it just sell it yeah just, just sell it you need the money you gotta do this man you're dying right, out here right. you're starving and i do just think those scenarios come up but i think you got to keep it in mind before you sell it you got to think is this really worth it or could I potentially sell that quash for more later and will that help me more? Um, right. So that's the big question. Um, let's talk about how people talk about instinct training because it kind of drives me crazy. Um, selling instinct training is something that people recommend a lot as if this is a way to get the extra economy online. And I really, I don't buy it. You should be mindful. Maybe maybe I'm misplacing people's suggestions of selling instinct training. And maybe they're not offering it up as like the solution to extra. But I, when I hear it, that's how I hear it. And that's probably wrong. Mm -hmm. So when you hear that suggestion, don't hear it as the solution to extra. Hear it as another little tool in your tool belt, right? If the situation right. arises that you can sell the use of instinct training to cancel some important card or to cancel a sabotage on someone else's important card, you should consider it. And you should think about what you're going to lose if you if you give that instinct training up. Again, it's exhaustible. Um, so if you use it now, you don't have it for yourself later. So if you in this round need to make some big crazy play that relies on like an action card or relies on not having an action card played against you, you shouldn't be selling that instinct training, period. But if you have just like this open round where the action cards aren't going to come into play, yeah, you probably should look for an opportunity to try to sell the instinct training. But think about what the cost of instinct training is. It's three mm -hmm. influence, which means like in theory, that's two to three trade goods, right? Depending on whose math you subscribe to. Um, but in general, you need to sell it for more than that, right? It needs to be at least three to four trade goods that you get or something equivalent to three to four trade goods in value. And... I think you will be hard pressed to find action cards in like round three that are being played that someone is willing to pay you for trade goods to not have canceled. Um, right. And this doubles down on the point when people say you should threaten instinct training. You should be really aggressive. And when someone plays Rise of the Messiah, you should say, hey, if you want that Rise of the Messiah to go through, you have to pay me or I'm going to instinct training it. I don't think that should ever work. At least in the games that I play, that threat is a joke to me because if I'm on the other side of that equation, there are almost no action cards that are worth what I would need to pay for the extra for it to be worth it. Again, it's three to four trade goods or more 
for that ability to be worth it for the extra. So is my Rise of the Messiah worth more than four trade goods? If I'm not getting eight ground forces, no, it's not. If I'm only getting like five ground forces out of it, it's absolutely not worth it. So right. I don't care. And I can't think of almost any action cards that are worth it. Um, the other th- I can't think of an early game situation yeah. for extra where you have a command counter economy that is so that you can just do this willy nilly yeah. do instinct training. So it just feels like it's it's a bad threat because it's so if you get called on it, oh no, now you have to, you have to spend do it. a command counter you probably weren't <laughs> right. planning on spending. Right. I think it's way too often that people just won't pay you and, and then you're screwed. Instinct training is best used as the thing that stops someone else's win. This also goes... For the idea that um, sometimes instinct training is the best thing for the table and you don't have a way out of that argument, you know? Yeah. I think Hunter right. and I both try to ascribe to this mentality of like, if you are a weak faction, you should get paid anyways. And and your mentality should be like, you all will let them lose if you don't pay me. Um, like it, it basically, that's an argument that you see like surrounded around king making basically. Right. But like, I think when you're a really bad faction, you get to put yourself into those scenarios of like, Hey, listen, if you want me to instinct training the public disgrace to make sure whatever happens, like pay me. Otherwise I'm not doing it because just letting the game go on for everybody else doesn't actually do enough for me because I'm so far behind. Like, I think that is the argument, but I think you will find a lot of tables where that argument doesn't work. So then instinct training becomes one of these tools that the whole table has access to. Right. And that's not even extra's ability. Yeah. Yeah. That does suck. So, so you have to be kind of careful with how you use instinct training, even though it can be a really great tech. Um, The last little thing about trading um, and like trying to, to utilize your abilities for deals and stuff that I would say is I think you're already trying to take trade pretty often. I think you're maybe taking diplomacy more often than some other factions, maybe, um, depending on on what build you went. But I think you, in the mid to late game, can start taking politics as often as possible, and you can hope hope to sift through some of the worst stuff in the deck, some of the meanest agendas, and you put those on top and set up a situation where you get to get paid to quash. You put economic equality on top when everybody else has a bunch of money. And it's like, all right, time for all of you to pay me to quash this. Otherwise, we're letting it go through. Sometimes that's going to backfire. But, like, that's the advantage of uh, quash. That's that's how quash can help you make even some more extra money is every time you take politics, be on the lookout for really mean. Look for the agendas that might hurt only one person. Ghost. Ghost agendas. Ghost and Winu agendas. and, And, like... The, the one that hurts Muwats, War Sons, all that stuff. Look, oh, keep right. an eye Publ- out for, publicize for that. Publicize weapon schematics. Yeah. I always forget about that one. That one kind of sucks. Yeah, <laughs> that's a rough. That, that one is just very, that one might as well just say screw the Muwat. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I want to talk about the mid game here in a, um, it, from a points perspective before we get mm-hmm. into the rest of the meta because the rest of the meta kind of plays out more in the late, in the like, the, the actual late game. But in the mid game, ideally we've set up like a, we finally got into like a decent economy. So we're talking about rounds three and four here. I think your whole game is dependent on what you do in rounds three and four. And the biggest thing is you have to plan around a swing round. I, I think it's incredibly rare that extra scores a victory point round one. I think it's still kind of rare if extra scores a victory point in round two, 
because you're still kind of getting stuff online and you just are hoping to get lucky with uh, an objective round two. It's it's certainly Mm -hmm. not completely uncommon, but it can be tough. You have to get Imperial in round three or four so that you can get your game back online. My the big question I constantly used to ask and would get like upset about was people saying the idea that like you kind of need to stay in the pack or stay behind or you need to do all these other things. You need to get your PDS out. You need to do all this and then act like you could ever keep up with the victory point race with factions like Jolnar and Soul and Sar, right? Because those factions are just they're just scoring points every round they just get right to, they're just accumulating points as a byproduct of like getting their like playing doing the stuff yeah doing basically. the stuff they already want to do they're just getting points and extra doesn't just get points and doing what they want to do so the only way you can get back onto their level is to have a swing round with imperial um i think um you're also desperately trying to find a 10th point we'll, we'll find that later but the big thing is um uh, if you can be on mechatol rex when you do that swing round you probably should seek to do that. That that is a goal right. that you should right. you, you should try to do. You're, we're looking for a mechatol. Point. We're looking for extra points. The way we should basically spell it out is if you can do all five stage ones, which are every stage one is possible for extra, right? It, some of them can be difficult depending on the timing, but you can do all ten of the stage one public objectives. So that's five mm-hmm. points. The secret objectives are kind of a crapshoot for you. I would I would right. I haven't I'm not counting it out right now, but let's just call it 50-50. Um, but even if you get all three of your secret objectives, okay, you're up to eight points. If I can get a support for the throne swap with someone, that's my ninth point. Where's my 10th point coming from? And that's what almost every extra game I've ever played with. When I say I hate extra and I think they're bad, I'm not saying extra only ever get to four points and then they lose. That's not what happens. Extra gets to eight or nine reliably every single game and never finds the 10th point. And that mm-hmm. is your white whale. That's the really difficult thing about extra is the ability to pull off that 10th point is what is so incredibly difficult. Or sometimes it's the ninth and 10th point or whatever. So you need to stop thinking about objectives the way Matt and Brian think about objectives, which is got to get points every round. Instead, it's I have to map out a trajectory for all of my points for 10 for points, 10 yeah. points. I have to find out how I'm going to get those 10 points and, and the status phase is critical to that. When am I going to have eight resources? And then when am I going to make a point to then have the tech? And then when am I going to make the point to have then finally moved on to my fourth cultural or whatever? Um, and you have to start planning that out in like round two. So it like in my last game, as extra that I felt like was a pretty good game, even though I didn't win. Like it's about as solid as you can ask for when then the stage twos don't work out in your favor. Um, I was thinking about round three and four during round one. And yeah, you could mm-hmm. say this is like how you should just always play Twilight Imperium, but it's basically critical to an extra success is like, I was thinking about, okay, I'm going to do this objective in round two and then I'll do this objective in round three. And then I'll, I'll have built up this sort of engine. And then in round four and I would be able to have Imperial and do this. I even in that game had a situation where Imperial became accessible to me in round three. And my plan was to do Imperial round four. But I was like, well, now I'm in a situation where there's almost no way I'm going to have access to Imperial next round. I have to make my plan this round fit around the swing round. I have to do my swing round this round um, right. because it's when I have access to Imperial. So that's the stuff that you are trying to set up and think about. You have to make that stuff work. Um you have to think about your secret objectives in the exact same way, right? Which is to say, um, 
if you have three status phase secret objectives, those that's going to take three rounds to do. So you have to think that far ahead of like, how am I going to slowly incrementally work on each of these things? Because you just don't have the access to the ability to be like, okay, I finished that objective. And then the next round starts and it's like, okay, I need to blockade a space dock. Let me start thinking about that now. You need to have yeah. like been building up to try to blockade that space dock for two rounds for it to ever be right. possible for you. Um, so that that's, I think, my big takeaway for extra and this feeds into the same mentality as the stuff earlier right the two dissecting paths i'm designing my mid game around which of those two paths i took in round i decided to embark on in round two right i picked the turtles which means i only have access to these types of mid games so i'm planning my swing round around this kind of mid game right my my Mm -hmm. swing round is going to involve the round that i finally get my uh tech objectives up to par when i can also happen to steal that fourth industrial or if i'm playing blue green if i'm playing blastoise my swing round is when i finally am not spending my money on tech and my flagship and it's like okay my swing round is to get the tech objective and to spend eight resources whereas in the previous the rounds before that is when i stretch myself thin to get the, the planet traits that i needed or whatever but like the decisions you make in round two impact your round four plan and you have to kind of map all of that out from the get-go yeah it's it's a it's a shame because it feels like the kind of uncertainty vortex of extra yeah ripples out in a way that is like kind of unfavorable yeah um for them in a way that if they were a little more fleet oriented right um, it, their options would stay very open. Yeah. That's um, what makes them so frustrating for, for me and why when you watch streams or, or the, the VODs of me playing extra, you get to round four and all it becomes like sourpuss Matt show. It's just me sitting right. there like, okay, well, fine. Guess I'll do this. Well, I mean, and it's yeah, just we, we're all very aware of that. Sure. I mean, there's a chair I can think of in particular <laughs> that very much knows all about sourpuss Matt. <laughs> well, and... But it's it's even different than the anger. It's it's downright just like I've given up with extra. With extra, my mm. mood becomes like I did everything I could, and it still just wasn't enough. Because I luck, mean, that's how I always feel when I play Muai. Yeah, it's like yeah. I, I don't like that feeling of like I don't know. I think I lose a lot better if I think that I made a poor decision, or if another player did something great that ruined my game. Yeah. However, if I just have a game where I'm like, I don't think I did anything wrong and nothing really dramatically bad happened, but I just lost. That's so obnoxious. Yeah. And that happened every time I played Mua. Yeah. That was every (laughs) Mua. So that all feeds, I think, into the meta of what it's like to play as extra, which is actually Mm -hmm. kind of an interestingly simplistic part of extra which is just like a hey listen you're gonna have some tough times and the rest of the board um might just kind of let you sit and do your thing generally speaking like especially because you have pds and you have all these things that are like you've put up all the defense shields like what else is anyone gonna do um so i guess all that is to say like you don't need to go out there and make any unnecessary enemies we talked about in trading like be kind of an aggressive deal maker, but don't start pissing everybody off because you don't necessarily have the tools to back up really aggressive, mean talk. You just need to yeah. be sh- a shrewd negotiator. 
But um, Hunter, can you talk about support for the throne as extra? Because honestly, I even think you're better at... I, I, my conversations about support for the throne always end up being like, shut up, Matt, and go away. And you're trying to do it to her. Like, I just feel like I always get just shut down anyways. And I think you have a really good argument for why that happens with extra in the meta. Yeah, so... It's it, it go it goes a little bit both ways. So there's this idea I've been kind of working on in my head of like there are some factions that make like better support partners than others, um, and I think there's like some uh, granularity to it. Um, the easiest example I can think of is like when you become support partners with Necro. What that means is not only do you have the normal support partner um, thing, but you also have like n- leverage over Necro mm-hmm. because Necro wants to like basically be like munching or uh, nibbling uh, to get tech. And now, you know, they either can't nibble off of you without losing a point, or now every time they nibble, you kind of go into that discussion with kind of a like, yeah, but I have, if I don't like this, I can just say, you know what? Nah. Yeah. Um, And you don't, and and you're going to lose a point if you, if you, if you try and nibble. Um, So, I think every faction, uh, like support partner style, kind of has that the, a little bit of that to them. It's not such a huge deal. Like, don't expect this to be like a new section of uh, the guides or whatever. Um, extra is interesting because I feel like overall, when I play next to an extra, I'm not really worried about them pulling some sort of fast move right. on me and coming after me um, because extra is slow and defensive. And depending on how their economy is going, maybe they don't even have that in the cards. So in that way, I might feel like, man, I don't really care about being extra's support partner. I am not worried about them, um, coming after me right now. It also kind of goes the other way though, because if extra is playing super defensive, um, I might not care about swapping supports with extra because, Oh well, I'm not going to be able to activate them. You know what I mean? It's right. like I'm not going that direction. They're anyways. not an opportunity right. for me because they have already set their defenses up so solidly. Yep. So it does kind of cut both ways. I do feel like it depends on which um, extra they're playing. If they're Blastoise, uh, then maybe I'm scared of them. I'm probably not though, to be honest. Right. Um, and then if they're playing super defensive, then it kind of just comes down to like, well. I guess I wasn't going there, yeah. so maybe. But the other thing, too, is even in that case, you know, stuff, super defensive extra um, can be mitigated if your target is just one specific planet in their slice right. and not, right. you know, beating them overall. Um, so, yeah, a, a lot of it depends on your specific situation. I think I've kind of outlined a little bit of, yeah. like, the things to think of. Overall, I would say you are a middling to maybe bad overall partner when it comes to support swaps what sucks is that you need points yep. outside of the public objective yeah, tracker you're desperate so i would not play fast and loose with support swaps i would always try and do one as extra yep. um because you just don't have uh you don't have those options yeah, you, like you need to else. start that conversation as early as possible before mm-hmm. someone decides you're not worth the effort you brought up a good point in there that i kind of want to go further into which is the blastoise situation uh, my recent game, I was Blastoise, and I was my most is my best game of extra I've ever had, and I still couldn't get a support for the throne swap. I could not pull it <laughs> off because and, and and there's probably a lot of factors. I had an early lead, like I had I had a big point spike, so of course nobody specifically wants to support for the throne swap with me. That's definitely the biggest factor in that game. But I also think that stuff you point out of like, well, in one hand, Blastoise isn't actually that threatening. Of like, are they going to really take my stuff? Um, because really Blastoise probably gets somewhere and then holds it. So like in that game, 
I had dug into uh, my green neighbor's slice. They were the Sardak Noor. And I was basically parked in the middle of their slice, not with my flagship, but just with stuff. And like in that position, why is he? Why would they give me a support for the throne swap? They would never do that because I'm in right. the middle of their stuff. I need to back off right, before right. that's so an you option. can't get it from them. Yeah. On the flip side is my my neighbor who's trying to make a deal with their other neighbor because they look at my blue green X cha and go, that flagship doesn't look that hard to pop. So yeah. at any moment, I could jump in their slice. And if I bring enough stuff, I'll probably be okay. So the yep. blue-green Blastoise extra isn't actually <laughs> threatening enough to have that upside of, well, I'm not going to have to deal with them. And you're not quite mobile and aggressive enough. You're like right there in between of being defensive and aggressive. And that's where the versatility of them can come in. But in either extreme is where you really want the support for the throne swapping to, to lie. I'm either too aggressive and you want to keep me out of your slice so you give me the support of the throne or I'm so defensive that you know you're never coming into my slice so you have to choose the other direction. So yeah, I, I completely agree. That's that it can actually be kind of, but then you look at Mick Moose and he had two support for the thrones in his game. So there are other, I think the whole point is you find other ways to do support for the throne. It's not just as simple as the basic swap. It's like, I need I to find the, new ways to find leverage into acquiring support for the right, thrones. Right, right. And I, I think it requires, I think it attracts people that are um, pretty adept at, at the above the table yeah, play definitely. and just meta in general. Um, I would say overall, I think you kind of have to be, um, extra kind of has to be nice. Yeah, is kind of a weird way to put it, but I don't. I don't think extra gets like easy leverage over people. Right. Um. So I think a lot of that leverage has to be like either kind of found or manufactured. Um. Through like solid above the table play. Yep. Um. Which is like kind of the more difficult things to talk about. Uh. When it comes to extra or just like this game in general. Um. I would encourage everyone to watch uh, semifinals game four. Yeah. Um. For a very good example of not only just extra how to play extra at all but also just like moose uh does a lot of very solid above the table stuff yeah. that is something he is super adept with i would say that's like his his strength as a player yeah definitely um so kind of in conclusion here the point of extra is not they suck and you know what it's just so hard you whatever figure it out man it, it is whiny baby you whiny wine. baby, baby wine. it is more complex than that and it, it is i think to me it all comes down to that final race for the 10th point and all of the early game and mid game problems come to a head in that late game oh i couldn't get that 10th point that that is mm -hmm. like where all of the extra problems fit together in a way that makes sense to me. And that's the only way I could find to define like what is difficult about them. Cause you'll see so many people be like, I don't feel that bad about extra. Like I feel like I have plenty of good games, but then if you look at like their win rate, <laughs> it's not up that like, it's like they have a high scoring ratio, but not a good win rate. Cause they just can right. never quite finish the job because everything they have costs them. And everything they do is, picking a direction to go in and then hoping that that was the right direction from the beginning of the game. So you have to find Imperial points. You have to find support for the throne points. You have to find agenda points or you have to find, you have to luck into the easier stage two spend objectives. Um, and all of those things have to happen faster than everybody else at the game, which you're turtles. Like you are just, you're just not fast. Fast is never the thing that works with you. So I, I really hope that this guide helped 
Um, I really hope that this guide isn't going to just be etched into my tombstone as like, well, Matt still didn't figure it out in the end. But to me, this is everything I could muster to try to give them a, a fair approach of like what it is to try to actually succeed with them. And it's not just saying, well, it all just comes down to luck, but we're about one, one or two steps away from it all comes down to luck, right? You can, mm -hmm. you can push the luck in your favor, but at the end of the day, you rely on luck more than top tier factions do. And you just that you got to play that way. You got to know that going into it. Yeah, I would say that your only ability to mitigate the um, the problem, the uncertainty problem that you face of not having a whole lot of options and uh, Twilight Imperium essentially being a game where you find out as you play it what you need to do mm -hmm. um, is your and I think this is I'm going to feel free to cut this if you decide you don't <laughs> like this point. But I think that. This is a faction that is not super well suited to your style of play. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I also think it's, um, to extend this point even further, this is not a very good faction for someone like me or Matt to play. Mm -hmm. Someone that is in a position where a lot of the above the table situations with me and Matt, there's a lot of baked in um, considerations with that. Uh, we talk about Twilight Imperium every week um so we play with a lot of people that know a lot of what we think even if we don't necessarily know what they think specifically um and they have a lot of preconceived notions with how we are playing so it's interesting the meta experience that me and matt have is i think unlike any player's experience um and i think with extra the um the kind of the 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 magic of the faction is that you can mitigate the uncertainty with very good above the table play. And I think, I think Matt, you are a person that has a video on the YouTube on the YouTube of you breaking a chair in anger. Yeah. And I think that in some ways fundamentally disqualifies you <laughs> from being able to play extra the way other people would get to play it. Does that make sense? It does. And I can't explain enough how much I don't. I try so hard to not use that as a crutch in writing this. <laughs> this is not me. Yes, but I think it's I think that's saying, what I think it's good that we brought it up right here. At right the here end. at the end is that is it's really hard to overcome that, even though I trust so many of the players we've played with. I think almost every oh, member of the Good Yin Brotherhood, especially the ones we've played many games with, they are all at a point where they're not they don't care at all. They're playing a normal game, but it's right. still every once in a while you just feel it. You feel that happen. You feel a moment in the game where something bad happened to you and you cannot help but go, is this because I have a podcast about this game? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, maybe it I, does, I, maybe it doesn't. And then, and then it's so hard to take that and write a strategy guide with that in the back of your mind because you don't know what elements are at play and it's just sure. so hard. I can soften up that point though and say that it, what it definitely doesn't allow you to do is play extra with there being... Uh, no preconceived notions with your temperament or your style as far as the above the table yeah. stuff goes. Yeah. And I think that is really helpful if you're playing as extra. I think it's helpful for people to not really know 
what your deal is or how exactly you like to do this. You know what I mean? You know what I think this would be similar to? I I think there's at least one person out there that I think can can share our our strife, which is if like if Unaligned Magi had had the opportunity to play as the Necrovirus in their semifinals, Mm -hmm. I think that would be a similar thing because everybody knows that Magi has this Necro trick and everybody right. knows that Magi is really good. And so, I mean, you saw this in a, a lot in our tournament. A lot of players got put up against this. But I think Magi is the peak of that, where if Magi plays as Necro, everybody at the table goes, well, that's Magi with Necro. We're not letting him right. get away with yes, anything. Yes, <laughs> yes, and, for sure. And he, and he has to recognize that, and he has to deal with that. That's how it feels for me to have been dealing with extra, especially the last couple months when it's become more and more public that I'm, pushing up against it is then every time i play against it i have people in game being like hey can i criticize your play in the middle of this game right right now can i tell you what you just (laughs) did wrong it's like no no you don't get to do that yet (laughs) you can do that later (laughs) i think i think if i were i mean i mean i think uh, we keep referring back to him but i think he's just such a good example and he's such a recent example moose even person um micmac moose uh, even personality-wise, kind of makes sense yeah. for this type of faction. You just get along he, with him, even when he does mean things so, to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he says like nice, sweet things. Yeah. He's got like a very kind of charismatic um, persona. He's just kind of delightful. Yep. It's a it's personality-wise, and then there's like you know grumpy Matt, mean old Matt <laughs> over here. Right, you know what I'm? I, yeah, it's exactly. not that. That's not what it is. But Matt, you can't. At this point, you can't just like play. I mean, we could like make up. We could like change our names on. Steam well, no, no, no. Or okay, no. Just, but like, here's a better point because this is this is what I haven't. This is why I haven't been wanting to lean on this mentality. Is it's not even just oh, that's Matt and he has the podcast and we know he's crazy and aggressive. It's I am crazy and aggressive in games, <laughs> right? So that immediately sets me apart. Like. I come into a trade and I'm like, all right, listen, no BS. I don't want to mess around with this. And everyone's like, what is this extra guy doing? He's an absolute <laughs> jerk. Like, why would I want to deal with him? Um, it, it, it has it has nothing to do with Matt is Matt. It is Matt is the way that he is. And that right, makes it hard style. to want to do deals with him. That's why I think I feel better as a Hakan or a Mentak or somebody with deal making like obvious leverage, leverage because mm-hmm. then I get to do that like tight trading and instead extra is like hey let's kind of let's work together on this and and you even hear it in my things like I want to make extra's deal making tighter than maybe even even should be I can see myself being totally wrong about the idea that that extra like is supposed to be kind of like you got to get yours you got to make more money because that's the only way it worked for me because that's the only way I find success in TI but these deal making players probably hear that section and are like uh Matt you're dead wrong you need to be an open-handed you know just like absolutely kind-hearted baron to everyone um yeah. and that's how they find their success whatever gets you the most play... money is the best thing to do <laughs> yeah i wanted to i i didn't get an opportunity to but uh, i wanted to i kind of theory crafted in my head and, and maybe sometime someday i'll try this i don't personally i don't have a lot of confidence in it i don't think it would have made a difference for the guide at all but my idea was to play i guess i'm going to call it trash turtle <laughs> where <laughs> 
<laughs> where I sort of, it would sort of be like taking my Sardak principles and applying that to Extra, mm-hmm. where I basically am just like, I'll say you like, whatever you want for whatever you want. <laughs> just like early game, you're just like, I'll you sell you the favor? shell, man. Take I'll sell you whatever. the shell just off my take back. Take it all because I need to get my economy going. And then after I've done that in the early game to get ahead, now mid game, I'm starting to lock things up <laughs> and be a little more like I'm getting, I'm scoring the difficult points first, which you can almost never do as extra. Yep. Um, and then pulling back and turtling in the late game. That was kind of an idea. And yeah, I, I called it, uh, I, I like turtles. the, or no, how about garbage turtle? Garbage that sounds turtle. good. <laughs> I just like the, the visual of like this extra has like gotten into a garbage can and is eating whatever it can find. Right. <laughs> Well, that's it. We're finally, uh, this is over probably the worst hurdle we'll have in any of these guides, <laughs> I think. I I'm say- gonna, well, so so we just scheduled out more of the guides, yeah. and it looks like I'm going to be playing a lot of Mentac. Winu? Oh, yeah, you is will eventually be doing Winu. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be rough. I'm well, not excited about that. Here's the that. thing about Winu, though. Winu's different than Extra, though, because Winu, everyone knows the problems of Winu and knows that there's not really any overcoming them. Extra, the theory is something should save them. And I think mm-hmm. that's what makes Extra so difficult. Winu, you get to just go, oh, yeah, it's it's rough out there. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, wh- what do you want from me? Um, I think the only Winu game we have on record yeah. where Winu wins is the Winu Winu from the first yeah uh tournament right i think that's it that's oh yeah like in competitive play or anything i mean i won a winu game on oh, stream right that was early on ago though. yeah um, and then i won the four player game with yin for life's episode as winu but that was also a very different that was the four and player Winu's 14 point game four and four players very yeah exactly anyways we're not doing the winu episode today uh but yeah that that could be a tricky one i don't know i might have trick difficulty with Arborek, but I'm actually looking forward to an eventual Arborek, but that's a long time from now. Anyways, mm-hmm. if you enjoyed this, if you enjoyed this guide, and if you enjoyed listening to me just whinge for the past two months about Extra, you should be a part of our Patreon and support mm-hmm. us and join the show. And Hunter, what do uh, Galactic Counselors have up their sleeve? Okay, so um, I don't have a Hunter Donaldson fan club sure. poll up. That will be out uh, in time for next episode. Um, but right now, Galactic Council, we are on the second round. Um, and actually, you only have a week because I uh, mostly because of the tournament got behind on some things. Um, but uh, the poll is out. You can pick one option. Um, here are your two options Experimental Tech Paths, which is honestly really timely. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is Necro versus Jolnar. Um, whichever one doesn't lose, we'll probably go on to the next, um, the next poll and we'll just see mm-hmm. if it survives. I, I don't like keeping topics for too long, yeah. but if it's pretty tight, I'll go with it. Like Experimental Tech Paths actually lost last month. But barely. But it seems so popular <laughs> yeah. that um, we've got it back. And uh, and anyways, I'm pretty confident. And, and, and also, it's just a really good time to be having an episode like that. Not that I wouldn't like to do a Necro versus Jolnar. Yeah. That would also be fun. Yeah. Um, I want to throw this out here. Um, so we got, uh, we are now partnered with Twitch, well, or at least we've applied. We're affiliated, um, and we are on the route to partnering with to partner. Twitch. Yeah. Yeah, but I think we'll get it. Yeah. Um, anyways, um, so which means uh, I am going to start uh, kind of refocusing on Twitch. Um, here is my Twitch schedule. Um, I'm going to try and... What I'm going to try and do is get a, a, a Twitch schedule that works for me and that also works for you guys. So I'm going to experiment a little bit with the time slots. This is just me throwing this out there. 
Um, so on, uh, and all of the times are Pacific. Um, Wednesday at noon, I'm going to play Root uh, with probably some people from the Gideon Brotherhood. Um, Thursday, I'm going to play Oath uh, at noon as well, um, probably with more Patreon people. Um, on Friday at four, um, me and my other podcast, Read It and Weep, are going to play Subnautica. We did this like a week or two ago. Um, if you happen to catch that, it was actually kind of a train wreck because <laughs> I learned some uh, streaming stuff that I did not know. And I learned it in front of all the people that watch. <laughs> um, but we do have a setup that should work uh, for this next one. Um, and also, that was like, that was super fun to do. Um, Saturday and Sunday are going to be the big days. Um, so, Saturday um, noon, I'm going to play uh, TI. Uh, I'm planning on playing as Mintac. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm gearing up for an eventual strategy guide that I'm going to write about Mentec. So if you want to see me play Mentec, uh, Saturday, noon. Um, and then Sunday, uh, a little earlier at 10, I'm going to try and put together a 14-point game, yeah. which uh, I don't really, you know, I, you know how I feel about right. that. But I'm going to do it, because I'm a good boy. Well, and we should talk about why you're doing that 14-point game. Uh, the Defteris oh, and Patience as a Virtue have set up a 14-point invitational tournament. They sent out the kind of notice of what the tournament is uh, this uh, yesterday, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, so on the weekend of May 15th to the 17th, that Friday through Sunday, there will be six games. Um, they they invited specific players. They worked up a list and all this. They kind of have their own special draft structure. You can find uh, the post about this pinned in the tournament chat channel on our discord but there will be six games over the course of that weekend and hunter and i for some reason are both actually playing in it we get to play in a tournament hunter we're not in the same game together so we won't ruin each other's chances i'm actually oh we are not we've been told that no no no, we just are we not with the the way they got set up i'm in i'm in a game that actually will be starting at 3 a.m my time i'm playing with the euros saturday morning and you're playing on a sunday afternoon of that weekend um, but yeah, we're both playing in that. And then the next weekend or the weekend after that will be the finals, uh, for this, this little mini tournament. And I'm glad these, wait, can I, can I see what, yeah. what matchup you I'm are, in? Hunter, you are up against strict nine root. Okay. Oh God. Robo fish. Oh God. Jayhan and aviator. Oh yeah. Okay. So I've been describing, two- I've been describing your game as like, this is kind of the game for chill buds that want to hang and just play TI together. And then Jayhan yeah, will be if, like if, plotting everyone's murder. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, he, he's very aggressive. Um, I, I will say Root's attitude depends on the faction he's playing. Um, and I just lost to Root him playing Mentak. And I and it, I and I was playing as Arborek. Uh-huh. And he just, oh, my God. He made it so hard for me to play Arborek. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting that uh, Root and Aviator are both in that game because I just, re- I think the last two games I played, I lost to Root and yeah. Aviator. I so have, great. I have a really fun matchup, which is to say I have a really good excuse for when I lose. Uh, oh, yeah. Because I'm up against a really well known player on the Discord uh, named Olo, who is apparently, I've never seen them play, but they are apparently very, uh, I think Patience described them as probably the best player in the world uh next to to mantis like in terms of just sheer consistency mantis Mm -hmm. and olo are like that's it that's top tier quality uh i'm also in a game against panda boy and yvonne who i don't know as well but i've heard a lot about i'm in a game with micmac moose 
So oh uh, finalist, Micmac Moose. I'm also in the game with Luke M, the winner of our tournament. <laughs> so when I lose, I get to just be like, well, yeah, I mean, come on. Look at it. I was playing at 3 a.m. with three or four or five yeah, with, of the best like players an, in the world with like some some kind of folk hero and then like <laughs> the actual champion and then like someone we just spent the last two hours referring back yeah to. exactly yeah so that's uh, true. i'm gonna not go far in this tournament and that's super quite all right with me i all Honestly, i want my game is like a game i would just randomly play like that's just like yeah. a general right lineup. i mean i haven't played play with, with nine before but yeah those are just people i play with all i want from my game is to get mantak and I want to pay $6 for a war son in my 14-point game. That's it. That's the only goal I have. Turns out that's all I want to do <laughs> instead of win the tournament. I want a $6 war son. Uh, so well, I'm ex- I'm glad me and Root are in the same um, match because I think uh, I'll probably just be like, all right, Root, we're going to we're gonna be practice partners yeah, right. and we're going to have a bunch of practice <laughs> games. Uh, I want to thank our Space Kitties and Weird Bears. I want to thank our Weird Bears, Far- uh, Farganus, T.G. Welch, Billy, and Brian. And I want to thank our Space Kitties, Naderade, Patience is a Virtue, Umar, Polyphony Requiem, Julian Arwise, Necro Firewall, which I forgot to rewrite in here, but he's now Hippie Peace Turtles. Hippie Turtles. What did you just say to me? (laughs) In front of God and everyone? Hippie Speed Firesters. Rekka, Gazkio, and Strychnine. And uh, yeah, we you can. Oh yeah, also check out uh, on YouTube. I'm going to be uploading. Uh, I'm editing it tomorrow. It'll probably be up on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, Matt playing as you extra can to kind of go with our extra. Yeah, you week. can watch the game that I decided that's enough on. That was like, well, mm-hmm. that's that's as good as I got. So that you you can watch that one. I'm pretty disappointed in the end, but then it ends on a pretty positive note of like, listen, this was a good extra game. No, I didn't win, but it everything turned out all right. So. Um, yeah, you should watch that one just to see some, there's some really fun stuff in that one, I would say. Some really crazy mm-hmm. extra stuff and some stuff that's really fun from basically all the players. Uh, you can also rate our show, please, on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, at SpaceCatsPod. And you can find us on Facebook. Just search Space Cats Peace Turtles. And then, of course, join our Discord. There should be a link in the show description to get in on that Discord and be a part of all the constant ongoing conversations. We're probably about to start really ramping up uh root discussions and how often yep. we play root so yep. if you are interested in root and yep. you like this show and you're like this i thought this was a twilight imperium show it is that but uh if you really like root and want to be a part of that you should start hanging out on our discord because we're going to be organizing more games and um really getting our heads wrapped around that game i mean i'm playing on one on wednesday so yep. come check that out at noon on twitch yeah noon uh pacific right pacific daylight noon time. pacific yep. well all the times all listed pacific. above were pacific so that's it we did it i'm done i'm never playing extra again i i there won I, in my heart i won because i don't ever have extra to touch the faction loses. again <laughs> yeah matt won extra nothing literally thank you for listening to space cats peace turtles and thanks to ben prunty for the use of his music You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum.